Hello there, fellow Star Wars nerds, and welcome to Unlimited Content, the podcast where two brothers talk about all of Star Wars film and TV in chronological order on the internet as an excuse to hang out more. We're your hosts, Sam and Jack, and this week we're talking about Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. And we are joined by our very first guest this week. Want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I am Sarah Ford, Sam's wife. I almost yeah. said husband. <laughs> hey, I mean... Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I am super stoked to be here. I always love an excuse to make people listen to my opinions. So, (laughs) what else are podcasts for? Yeah, right? (laughs) What else are Um, marriage and podcasts for, if not that? Honestly, yeah. (laughs) My life goals to have everybody listen to me. Um, I am an artist and a writer and a stay at home mom. And a secretary, all wrapped into one. She's a busy so, lady. Yeah. That's a ama- that's a lot of things. That's amazing. Yeah. But I, I penciled you guys in. Yeah. And she has to put up with me, on top of all that. Which is a lot. I know. Incredible. It can be a lot, Jack. <laughs> I know. Jack I, I grew up with him. I'm aware. I know. <laughs> you did. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Oh, so yeah, t- today is the, the first uh, movie. First guest and first, first full-length film that we're talking about. Today we're talking oh, about yeah. The Phantom Menace. I'm very excited about that. Big things happening. Big movie, big guest, big brothers. Uh, we have big bills to pay. Indeed, Jack. big bills. Who is our, who is our big? Who is our big sponsor? <laughs> Who's paying our big bills? All right. Uh, yeah, our sponsor this week uh, has given us quite a long ad read to do this time. So, so big uh, ad read. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this week's sponsor is the new hollow film. This is Sheev. Learn the true story of our beloved Emperor's rise to glory from his humble beginnings as a selfless Naboo senator to the strong galactic leader we all know and love. Reviewers call it electrifying, sponsored by the Imperial Ministry of Culture. That's all right. <laughs> this all is right. Sheep. I love it. <laughs> Good old Sheep Palpatine. Oh my gosh. We yeah. love it. We love it. We love it. Felt appropriate oh, for man. today's. today's it does. You know, it, it, was, it was nice that they, they you know, had this particular sponsorship for this particular episode. You know, we it get is. to see the beginnings of, of Sheev Palpatine's rise to glory. Yeah. It is, as of this recording, Sheev Palpatine's first ever entrance into Star Wars canon. This Exciting. is the first time Somebody I've first ever heard it. I've never heard Palpatine's first name before. <laughs> it's it's silly. It's very I silly. Quite, I know. It's objectively silly. Absurd. <laughs> all right. So, I guess before we get into some of the... Well, first of all, we've got a ton of stuff to talk about this week because Star Wars we Celebration just ended. So there was a million announcements. Um, but before we get into that, uh, Sarah, before we get started, do you want to talk a little bit about what your relationship is with Star Wars? Like, did you watch it growing up? Have you seen a lot, or just is, are you, you know, what, what, what's your what's your relationship with the galaxy far, far away? Yeah, uh, I grew up watching the original films like on repeat. Like, I would go to my aunt's house in the country, and I didn't have cable back in the day. So all they would ever have playing were like five different movies and three of them were the original <laughs> films. But I never paid attention to them because, I don't know, I, every time I feel like I looked at the TV, it was just Luke running through the deserts of Tatooine like every single time <laughs> and I didn't get it. Um, so I didn't really pay attention to those until or the prequels came out, I guess, because I was like four or five. So were you, Jack. We're the same age. Um, and I feel like I saw all of them in theater. I want to say I saw all of them in theater, even though I was teeny tiny for the first one. Yeah, we would have been like three, I think. 
the first I one. I was four, right? It came out in 99. It came out like May of 99. Yes, but yeah, May of 99. So you would have been three. Oh. Almost four. Well, we had it on VHS. It was like one of our first VHS There you go. Movies. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, which yeah. was really annoying because then DVDs came out. And then we had the rest on DVD. <laughs> yeah. All these cross-platforms. It's kind of like having kind of a things. paperback book and then two hardcovers all in the same trilogy. It's annoying. Um, but yeah, yeah. No, I get that. That's a, that's a great analogy. Except, <laughs> you don't need, except you don't need different eyes to read the paperback versus a hardback, but you need a different device to put back a DVD. Well, anyway, never mind. Semantics. Okay. See, she puts up with so much. I get what you... I got what you were getting at. I understood your analogy. Thanks, Jack. Someone here loves me. Um, but yeah, we were. Me and my sister were super obsessed with the prequels. I think. I don't know if it's because my sister had a crush on Hayden Christensen. We all did. Um, which I, I yeah. So all the all time all, call him Christian Haydenson, and Sam just looks at me, and I have dyslexia, so it's fine. <laughs> but I have convinced myself many times that that is his name. Hey. The fact that you're um, talking it sounds about it just as much happy. like a name as the other one. It it <laughs> also, I feel like he could go by that and it would be totally fine. Because I yeah. also think of his face. Um, but yeah, I, I'm assuming that's the reason we watch it all the time. That and I was obsessed with all of Padme's costume dresses. Like, I wanted oh, excellent. all yeah. of them. I still, anytime you're watching episode two, I'm just watching it for the costumes and for literally sure. nothing else, else. I watch it for the sand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like Sam. <laughs> yeah, but I'm That's pretty familiar. Nice. It was a big part of my childhood, but I was never like super obsessed with it. And I yeah. never really paid attention to it until I started dating this one. Yes. And then I think yes. I rewatched yes. all the prequels just to like refresh my brain so that I could hold a conversation about Star Wars with you. She really loves me. <laughs> yeah. I am a lucky man. It's, yeah, it's eighty percent of what Sam talks about. It really, it really is. is. <laughs> the other twenty percent is our daughter. <laughs> That's true. That's it. Cool. All right. Well, it's awesome. Sweet. Uh, all right. So I guess let's uh, move on into what's going on in the world of Star Wars. Which, who oh boy, so man, much. There's a lot. There's a lot. Okay. So, uh, as I said, this past weekend was Star Wars Celebration uh, in Europe in London. Um, and we got a bunch of announcements. It was a very exciting time, and so I have a I have a long list of it in our in our episode script just to make sure we don't miss anything. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll just go through the the highlights basically. Um, so I think the, the biggest announcement was uh, we got a surprise announcement of three new live action movies, and it's not a trilogy; it's three separate movies directed by three separate directors in three separate time periods of Star Wars. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Um. The first one uh, is a new film directed by James Mangold, who you might know from Logan or uh, Ford v. Ferrari, or uh, his next movie is going to be Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny hmm. later this year, uh, which is ostensibly why he was at Star Wars Celebration, but also we now know the other reason why he was there. Um, yeah, because didn't they drop so a trailer? Be directing... Didn't they drop a trailer for, for the new Indiana Jones movie at Star Wars Celebration? Yes, yeah. 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 Indiana Jones gets the privilege of being, like, the one other thing they talk about at Star Wars Celebration <laughs> other than Star Wars. Yeah. That or, like, Willow, which those are, like, the three IPs that Lucasfilm has, basically, are Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and Willow. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, James Mangold's movie, uh, what we learned about it is that uh, it's going to be set uh, at the dawn of the Jedi, telling the tale of the first Jedi to wield the Force. Um, so that sounds super cool. That does sound really cool. Um 
Yeah. Uh, so Mangold said, uh, quote, he thought about a biblical epic like a Ten Commandments and the dawning of the Force. Where did the Force come from? When did we discover it? When did we know how to use it? And a story just started developing. End quote. Um, and it's, he's, apparently it's going to be set 25,000 years prior to the original Star Wars. So this is <laughs> this is real early in the timeline here. So do you think, um, do you think Yoda will be in this one? Or <laughs> You know... You might be, though. Uh, I'd be impressed. <laughs> I would. Yeah, when, when 25,000 25, years old, you are, look this good, you will not. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what, what happens there. Yeah. Uh, you know what it reminds me of is, um, have you seen The Legend of Korra? Oh my god, I was just thinking exactly what you're about to say. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. the origin of the Avatar episode. Yeah, yeah. So good. So good. Yes. And I'm very excited for yeah, this so, Star Wars movie, actually. Or show. Yeah. Based on the, based on the expression on Sam's face, I don't think he knows what I'm talking about. Uh, so, I mean, I've watched uh, like, the first couple episodes of Legend of Korra, but I did not yeah. watch anything else. Oops. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, Legend of Korra, for those who don't know, is a it was a prequel series. Sorry, sequel series uh, to Avatar: The Last Airbender. They're both animated series on Nickelodeon, and they're 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 kind of Star Wars ish in that they're you know it's it's about like there's an evil empire and there's people with magic powers and their spirituality and stuff but yeah it's about like and there's dave filoni you know that's true dave dave filoni got his start on avatar the last yep, airbender amazing. that's that's true um but yeah uh there's an episode of the legend of korra that kind of goes like it's like a flashback that goes way back in time to the beginning of you know the the first people who were able to bend the elements and how how that yeah anyway that's, cool. that's what that reminded me of um so i'm, I'm really interested to, to see what comes of this movie and james mangold's a great director so i'm yeah super excited to, to hear more about that nice yeah that is i'm, I'm very excited about that as well um yeah i'm just i'm kind of like trying to wrap my head around a, a star wars biblical epic just sounds yeah so much fun so much fun i have no Rad. words yeah um so i should probably <laughs> stop talking no words. but i have no words i'm very excited um <laughs> I have no words for this yeah. podcast. It is exclusively words. I know. Yay, audio. Or I'm one us. of two co-hosts and I cannot speak. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm speechless. Uh, so I guess I'll just I'll move on to the, ne- the next movie they announced. Uh, kind of takes place yeah. um, after the Mandalorian. It's, it's supposed to. It's it's a Dave Filoni directed movie uh, that will. What they, they said, that it'll pull together the threads from the recent Disney Plus series. So it'll be. Mandalorian, Ahsoka, Book of Boba Fett. Maybe if we get another something that takes place during this time frame, uh, maybe something else like that. But it's going to pull together all those threads um, into kind of like the culmination. So it's going to be going to be like the Avengers of the post Star Wars Episode Six Disney Plus TV shows. Yeah, that, that's what it's sounding like. Yeah, and I'm super excited for that. A Dave Filoni. Indeed, I, I love that he's. The, the fact that Dave Filoni is getting to direct a live-action Star Wars movie is such a cool, like, one of those things you never thought would happen. Yeah. But it's, just, it, it's amazing, and I think it's well-deserved. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm super excited for him and to see what this, this movie is, because, like, like my, my guess is, I don't know this for sure, but ostensibly it'll involve, like, you know, it'll, it'll be, it'll take place, like you said, after The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett and stuff, and, and, and uh, Ahsoka, and so maybe it'll be a Thrawn show. Uh, no, no, sorry, show movie like it'll be like a, you know, yeah, a facing off against Thrawn sort of thing. Um, kind of, yeah, kind of. I don't a, know. I'm I'm really excited to see what I'm yeah, kind of like a Thronos kind of situation. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, um, I'm canceling the podcast right fair. now. Yeah. Get what I deserve. Um, yeah, either that or a kind of a rise of first order sort of situation. Because we're kind of seeing, we're yeah, kind of getting yeah. hints of that mm-hmm. in the current, uh, like, Mando stuff. Of, like, of like, yeah, kind yeah, of like how the New Republic is, uh, there's a reason it all kind of crumbled so fast <laughs> in the sequel trilogy. And we're yeah, seeing yeah. why. Lots of, lots of, yeah. Yeah, lots of bureaucracy and people just, you know, sort of turning a blind eye to things and being like, I don't, we don't want to get into another war. Everything's right. great. We'll just, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, you know, the, the, the remaining Imperial remnants are, are not resting on their laurels. Right. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to see what that, that happens. Um, and then the, the third movie they announced is uh, going to be directed by... Charmin Obaid Chinoy. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, and she is a Pakistani filmmaker with a background in documentaries and animation, and she also directed a couple episodes of Ms. Marvel um, nice. on Disney Plus. Um, and she will be directing a film set 15 years after the rise of Skywalker, with Daisy Ridley returning uh, to play Rey, and it's going to be about her like rebuilding the Jedi Order, which is cool for a number of reasons. One. Uh, this will be the first, I believe, the first film, first Star Wars film directed by a woman, which is amazing. Ooh. Are you serious? Um, like, wow. I think so. Like, I, I mean, I looked, I, I looked to make sure, and yeah, there have I, mean, I think there's been there was at least one that was announced before. Like, I think there was going to be a a Star Wars Rogue Squadron either movie or series that was going to be directed by a woman, but I think that that either got shelved or like or canceled or it's like postponed or something. Yeah, I think um, that might have gotten caught in the Gina Carano crossfire. Stuff because I think it was supposed to be mm. a Cara Dune, right? It's supposed movie. to be like starring starring her, yeah. Kind of, yeah. But well, um, we're not really missing out much there. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that's so that that's super cool that we're you know about time you know finally getting a, a film directed yeah. by a, a woman in the Star Wars universe yeah. definitely deserved. Because um, I, I feel like fifty percent of like the the live action TV shows right now the episodes are directed by by women. By women. So we got yeah, Bryce which Dallas is awesome. Howard. Yeah, and Deborah Chow. And, yeah, yeah. Deborah Chow was the the showrunner on Obi Wan, right? I, I think, think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's rad. And then it's also cool that like we're gonna get. Um, I mean, <laughs> I think we haven't talked much about the sequels, but I think it's it's pretty clear that Sam and I are a little uh, lukewarm on the sequels, to mm-hmm. <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, and I think, uh, but 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 I think that like Daisy Ridley is a great actor, and Ray has a lot of potential as a character, and so I'm I'm hopeful that like. This movie gives, uh, you know, Ray a chance to kind of come into her own a little more as a character, and we get to see more of that, and and kind of, I don't know, I'm 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 hopeful that this will be a, a cool, fun movie. Yeah, I agree. I really feel like what was what bummed me out the most about the sequel trilogy was how it felt like it had so much potential, um, and it just they just fumbled yeah. it so hard. Um, and so to kind of, and like, I remember walking out of The Force Awakens being genuinely excited for the future of Star Wars. And yeah. then they just, it was really episodes eight and nine that just like, all the dominoes that were set up in The Force Awakens just seemed to be completely, a lot of things seemed to be completely ignored. Um, it just didn't feel like a cohesive yeah, it, it was story. Very, it, it felt like three yeah. movies that were loosely tied together with the same cast of characters. Exactly. But like, yeah, yeah. So to see 
I don't know, Star Wars is, like, definitely leaning more into the lore side of things and, like, how, like, that's important to the fans. Um, and hoping that Daisy Ridley gets the treatment that she deserves from the Star Wars writers and directors and all that stuff, because I think Ray yeah. could have been a really good character, but the sequels did not do what could have been there justice. Yeah, she had a lot of screen time yeah. to become a good character. <laughs> And, uh, still there's potential. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like she was never really given a a super strong characterization. Um, yeah, and I agree with the idea that, like, the sequels in general felt like they were, like, disconnected. Yeah, like, I think The Last Jedi, if taken on its own without context, is a great movie. But in the context of a greater trilogy, it feels like the conclusion to something, and also it feels like it kind of takes things from the force awakens in a direction that's wildly different than most people expected it to go mm-hmm. um and you know so people have mixed opinions about about that movie for that reason i think um and then the rise of skywalker was kind of like backtracking on a lot of things that <laughs> the last jedi did and it, it just kind of kind of fumbled the ending it feels like um yeah uh yeah so all that being said i'm i'm excited for this this movie um so yeah there's the three movies that we got announced that are I mean, who knows when these are coming out, but uh, it's just, it, it's exciting to to hear about these things and to have, like, an actual solid understanding of what the, the kind of the cinematic future of yeah. Star Wars is going to be. Because for a while it's been, like, uh, you know, af- after The Rise of Skywalker, it was, like, we have supposedly a Ryan Johnson trilogy that was going to be made, and then that kind of fell through, and apparently they're not really working on that at the moment anymore. Yeah. Um, Taika Waititi is supposed to be directing a film, but he's still working on the script, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there's been a lot of things that have kind of been thrown around and talked about, and then nothing has come of them. And I feel like this is the first time we've had, like, these are the next movies that we're going to be making. These are going to be who's making them, and this is what it's going to be about. Yeah. And so I'm excited to see what goes from here. You know? Yeah, as am I. We got a lot of news about television for Star Wars as well out of uh, our Star Wars celebration. We got our first like real trailer for ahsoka which looks yes so good we have uh yes. we we saw hera in live action we saw sabine in live action we saw chopper we saw ezra in a hologram in live action um we got confirmed that large mickelson is coming back to be thrawn which is yes that's yeah so exciting. I, I love it when they're able to to take one of the, the voice actors and bring them into live action. Because um, most of the time, it's it just like, it doesn't, it's not a good casting fit for live action a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, which is disappointing, but, like, but, you know, it makes sense. Like, for me, I'm, I'm still, like, not 100% used to uh, Ahsoka not being Ashley Eckstein, um, yeah. you know? That's definitely, it, it throws me <laughs> it's, off it's, a bit. It's a, I mean, I, I, yeah. Like, I think Rosario Dawson does, yeah, she does yeah. a great I mean, job. Yeah, they're, they're doing a great yeah. job. Like, Rosario Dawson's great. Yeah. Um, like she, like she does, she plays the character very well. It's just the, I'm just used to he, like Ahsoka sounding like a certain thing. And it's Rosario Dawson's voice does not sound it's exactly the same it's as Ashley Eckstein's voice. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very different, different voice. voice. So like, I mean, Agreed. yeah, it's great. I'm just thrilled to have a live action Ahsoka. Uh, but yeah, to, just to, to yes, get to have totally. the same voice match the face, which I think we've all up to this point, we've only really yeah. had with Bo-Katan if I'm. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. I think Bo-Katan's really the only the the only kind of crossover that we've had so far in terms of like voice and 
yeah. live action. Um, but yeah, I think Lars Lars Mikkelsen is a a great choice for a number of reasons. One, I thought his performance as Thrawn in Rebels was great. I mean, I, I love mm-hmm. his voice and his his whole like the, the way he portrays Thrawn is amazing. Um, and he's also an on screen actor regularly, so like you know, and I th- I think his his face is very like it's very villainous <laughs> i don't want to be mean to Lars <laughs> no, Nicholson. He, he, he just has a very like, very stoic gaunt kind of face which like yeah with piercing yeah, eyes which lends like, itself yeah, well yeah. to things so like, like he's an actor he, yeah he plays exactly the, the only thing i can remember that i've seen him in other than this is uh he was in an episode of sherlock um oh, he was in oh, one God. of the, the season finales of sherlock he was like a an information broker kind of guy um i thought he did a really good job in that uh but yeah so i'm I'm super excited to see a to see thrawn in live action b to see this continuation of the story of rebels in live action and and also just to see all these characters in live action that we've that like i mean i i've said before on this podcast but like i love rebels so much i think it's probably my favorite star wars Mm -hmm. thing is that that series it's i love those characters and the the fact that we got like such a a well-written, well-thought-out story with a set of really distinct, lovable characters who all loved each other, and it was, you know, it, it's very much like a, a family situation there, and it's mm-hmm. it's just exciting to see see all these characters. So, so yeah, um, and we've we have now seen every living member of the Ghost Crew uh, in live action now because we saw Zeb in The Mandalorian a little while back. Uh, and now we've seen Hera, which is the Hera looks great, by the way. Mary Mary Elizabeth Winstead is playing Hera, and I think they they nailed her look, which is awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Sabine looks great, uh, played by Natasha Natasha Lou Bordizo. Um, she looks great, and I'm, I'm I'm hopeful that maybe we'll see her in the Mandalorian at some point. Yeah, um, but maybe maybe we'll see like because I think there's two episodes left. There are two of the season. Left. It's gonna be a two part um, season finale. It's too short, kind of thing. Um, yeah, so Sabine, which is a character I love, um, we saw Ezra briefly, uh, we've seen, and we saw Chopper in live action, which technically we've seen him in live action before. He was like in the background in Rogue One, I think, yeah. briefly. Um, but we got a close up of <laughs> of everybody's favorite droid war criminal, Chopper, <laughs> um, and yeah, and Thrawn, and ah, I'm so excited. It's gonna be so this the show looks great. What? Are they also, paint Lars blue. They are. Good. They gotta. I assume so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be weird if Thrawn was not blue. Um, paint Lars blue. What? What do um, we think about the orange lightsabers? Did you notice that? What? So in the Ahsoka trailer, there are like two yeah uh, red lightsaber wielding opponents to Ahsoka yeah. and uh-huh. Sabine, and their lightsabers had like a noticeable like hint of orange. Oh, I guess I didn't notice that aspect. Yeah, they were definitely more orangey. Cause, are like, they like diet Sith? I don't know. And we, I mean, there was a thing that looked like the world, like the world between worlds, and like we kind, of, we kind of, I think, got a glimpse of something that looks like that because, like, mm-hmm. kind of like, like they're in a, in a dark space and there's just like white lines on the ceiling that look like the rings from the world between worlds and rebels. And this is basically Rebel season five, so I'm assuming we're going to see yes. some of that. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm. I don't know. I don't know who these characters are. It's interesting because, like, they. I don't think they're Inquisitors because no. I mean, the Empire's gone. So presumably there aren't any Inquisitors left, and presumably they're not just straight up Sith because you know 
I mean, I guess there can't be Sith anymore, technically, because, anyway. Um, yeah. Well, I guess Palpatine is technically alive. Whatever. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see who those characters are. I noticed the, 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 the male one was, like, there's the scene of him walking down a hallway and, like, blocking blaster bolts with his lightsaber and he moves very like kind of rigidly and mechanically and it almost made me think like is this guy like a like an android or something Ooh. like i don't know maybe, maybe that's maybe that's some wild speculation right there but like i don't know I'm here for I'm, it. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see yeah i'm interested to see uh what's what's up with those characters um yeah also fun fact uh those those two red light or orange lightsaber wielding characters are um, I don't remember what their first names are, but their last names are Skull and Hati, which uh, are the names of the wolves in Norse mythology who like chase the sun and moon across the sky. That's which is kind of a, my a, a favorite fun fact. Easter egg. So that's the name of the characters, not go. the actors. The characters. Is that right? The characters. Okay, got it. The I was like, it was that would be a crazy coincidence. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. God. Okay. But yeah. yeah. But I mean, we also there's a lot like the wolves appear prominently in Rebels. So I wonder if that is like... Oh, yeah, that's, that's true. I wonder. Loath wolf. Oh. If the, if I did not make that wolves. connection. Why didn't I think of that? Because yeah, I was going to make it for you. So there you go. I would have never yeah. like known... The... We wouldn't have figured out that fun fact, though. Yeah. This is why we talk about this. <laughs> Dave Filoni and his wolves. Yep. Man. Yeah, so I wonder if those are the Loath wolves from the end, like Rebel Season 4. Yeah, like, like evil Loath wolves yeah. <laughs> turned yeah. into humans. You would go, doom, or something. Dune. Yeah. yeah. Doom. Yeah. Doom. Yeah. So I said. Yeah. Uh, I think. I don't know. Yeah. Sure. Um, cool. <laughs> there's yeah, no. There's so no recording. You'll never I'm know. Super excited to basically get to. I'm super excited to basically get uh, Rebels season five, like you said, yes. in live action. So excited for this show. Um, and also Kevin Kiner, who did the music for Clone Wars and Rebels, is coming back to do the score for this. Wonderful. Which I believe this is the first live action thing he's gotten to score. So that's. I love cool. that. He also did um, Bad Batch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah. So, um, um, I just yeah. remembered there is another mm-hmm. actor who played something in uh, animated that carried their part over into live action. It's mm. David Tennant with Hu Yang. Right. Yes. Well, I mean, uh, yes. <laughs> and also, like, we don't see David Tennant, but like, well, sure. I get what you, that, that's true. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. So that, that is another, that's the other thing that excited me about this trailer is we finally got to see and hear yang in live action he looks great and yes. it's it's confirmed to be david tennant and I'm, I'm so glad that that character's coming back he's so cool i love him um yes. yeah right um so yeah and then okay so that's that's ahsoka that uh, yeah the movies and ahsoka where i feel like were the two big announcements but we've got a bunch of other smaller things to talk about too um so season two of tales of the jedi was announced yeah. um did, did we hear cool. what it's gonna be we, about or I don't think they've. I don't think they've said anything about like when it's set or, or what it's going to be about. Um, okay. Yeah. Who do you think it's going to be about? Or what do you think it's going to be about? I don't know. That's a because it's good probably it's going to be an established character that we want to know more about. Yeah. yeah assuming it's you know like follows kind of the same formula as the first season. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't I, know. I think. I mean, I were. I would like. I would really, really like. Uh, to follow Kanan from after Order 66 up until Rebels. Because mm, we see him yeah. in the season, the the series premiere of The Bad Batch during the Order 66 yes. scene. Um, we see his master, 
get gunned down and him escape. Um, and then yes. the next time we see him is season one of Rebels. So I would love yeah. maybe some stories there in the middle. Maybe if you got some more training somewhere else from somebody else, who was that? Yeah. Um, or like, you know, I'd, I'd love to see that too. Definitely. Yeah. I think the, the other thing we, the other like canon time we've seen him is there's a, um, there was a, a book that takes place. That's like a prequel to rebels, uh, where it's like about Kanan and Hera. And I think we see a little bit of, of like, you know, what happened before rebels in that space. But like, yeah, I, I would love to see like, what was it like for, for him during the time between rebels and order 66? Yeah. Like, like how did he survive? What, what happened? When did he decide to, to change his name? You know, things like that. Um, yeah, yeah, that'd be super cool. Um, and there, there are so many other Jedi. It could be. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think it would be cool if we had Plo Koon, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if there's a whole lot to explore there. But I just love Plo. <laughs> Plo Koon's great. Sarah, yeah. is there any story that you would want more fleshing out in just like a quick little Tales of the Jedi three part? Yeah, I want to know how Kanan and Hera found the time to have a baby, to even make a baby. This is my biggest That's plot true. hole in the animated. I. <laughs> I because I have never, like, actually sat down to watch the show. I'm just, like, in the background while Sam was, like, binging this show during the pandemic mm. or something. I don't remember when it was. Yeah. But I, like, got really absorbed in the end. And then they're like, oh, surprise, Cannon and Hare have a baby. And I was like, no, 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 no. There was no time in this entire fight. <laughs> and I am hung up on this plot hole. I know it's a kid's show, but... It makes no sense. They live on a ship together, to be fair. But they have, like, like, all they... these other room. It would be weird, and they're busy, and I don't know. <laughs> I just... I'm hung up on that. I want answers. I don't know, maybe they took a weekend I want, trip I don't want, together, I don't want so that fair. exact sort of story. I just want a romance <laughs> novel about Cannon and Hare's relationship, because Honestly, I'm a big I'd be fan. Too. I'm that'd a big fan. Yeah. Yes. That'd be amazing. Yeah. That'd be good. I support this. I would read that. Yeah. Honestly, more Star Wars romance. I'd be down for that. Please. We, we need, Especially we need for all the wives of stories. the husbands and boyfriends that watch Star <laughs> Wars. It would make it so much nicer. This is my plea for all the females out yeah. there. The, I, they just Put released one romance kind of recently. in Star Wars. They just released one. Uh, it was the, the Princess and the Scoundrel, I think is what it's called. Mm. Um, is, it, is it a book? It's a book, yeah. Um, so it's technically kind of like an action adventure romance novel of Han and Leia starting like immediately after the Battle of Endor. Like they're still on Endor when the book starts. Mm. So it's kind of oh, their gotcha. relationship starting from there. So yeah, yeah. more of that, please. There's a, there's another yeah there's another book I read a while back um, called Lost Stars. Um, I think it's 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 during like the Imperial era and it's a, like a YA book about like two star-crossed lovers kind of situation, you know, like, one of them, like, they grow up together, and then one of them uh, ends up working for the Rebellion, and the other ends up working for the Empire. They're, like, literally kind of star-crossed. Um, uh, uh, yeah. uh. <laughs> you got it! <laughs> That's true. Love that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, okay. more romance, please. So, All around. I would like to just more see more, stars, I don't please. care who it is, just yeah. anything. We, we, we almost got some romance with in the Bad Batch with Tech and and Wanda Sykes' character, but then they killed Tech. They did. <laughs> so. Yeah. Although I, I am I am still holding off of them winter soldiering Tech. Could happen. 
I you know, I would love to see Tech back. But. We get one more season of Bad Batch. So I'm yes, that, that was another one of the things that was yeah, announced. Is, I, I uh, think we're gonna get a win. Bad Batch <laughs> is getting a third season, and it's going to be the last season, which is very sad. Yep. But I mean, it, it, I'm don't, don't get me wrong. I'm glad that they're like committing to an end instead of like letting it go on and then fizzle out. But like, I love the show. You know, I, I I'm I'm excited to see whatever the next animated thing is. After I hope they continue doing like Clone Wars quality animated stories. On, on Disney Plus or something. Um, yeah. Post Tales of the Jedi, post uh, Bad Batch, you know. You mean you didn't like Star Wars Resistance? Uh, what? I haven't watched much of Star Wars. I haven't Wars watched any of it. To be honest. <laughs> we'll get there. I watched the first couple episodes and it didn't it didn't really hook me. Yeah. Um, but we, yeah, we'll, we'll get, get there. there in nine years or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? <laughs> oh, man. Uh,. Okay, so let's see. Uh, other things. Uh, season two of Star Wars Visions was announced. Yes, which is super cool. And they showed they showed a trailer yeah. uh, with a lot of really beautiful stuff in it. Uh, most exciting for me is Ardman, uh, the creators of Walsh and Gromit and Shaun the Sheep and Chicken Run. They are making a short for Star Wars Visions, which is super exciting. I am so excited for Walsh and Gromit Star Wars. I hope Walsh and Gromit <laughs> actually show up. That would be. That'd be the best. <laughs> a little mini a little cameo. I mean, it's this is a non-canon kind of thing, like short story in imagine in the, true. In the world of Star yeah. Wars. And so, honestly, yeah. we could get Wallace and Gromit. Just some, yeah, something. or a moon, yeah. or a moon made of cheese. Like, yeah. yeah, come on, it's right there. <laughs> I would love to see see like uh, Wallace as like a, a smuggler and Gromit as like a little droid or something. Yes, <laughs> little yes. dog. Just Wallace in a Han Solo outfit. Yeah, <laughs> and then exactly. like, and then a black and white Chewbacca. It'd be perfect. <laughs> oh, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. Just put the um, little gun belt around him. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Who would the penguin be? Hmm. Oh, Feathers McGraw. <laughs> Is that? I forgot that was his name. <laughs> That's his name. <laughs> Feathers McGraw. Yeah, from from uh, the wrong trousers. It was, uh, the wrong trousers. Yeah. Yeah, it's the the second Walsh and Gromit short, and one of my yeah. favorite movies. Genuinely, <laughs> I love it's that. So good. Yeah. yeah, the chase scene um, at the end, it's amazing. On the tr- Yeah, on the, the model train inside the house. the model house. trains? Yes. Yeah, so Incredible. much tension, it's so exciting. <laughs> um, um, obviously, the wrong trousers themselves would be Maul's new legs. His, his spider oh legs. Oh my so gosh. The wrong trousers. I need Crossover this alternate universe dreams. Star Wars now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I need I need Ardman to reanimate all of Star Wars, please. <laughs> In like a kind of comedic parody form of Star Wars that's just yes. all British humor and, and weird just contraptions. Yes. Animation yeah, it's just, space just it's basically just British roulette <laughs> yeah. chicken, but for kids. Exactly. <laughs> this is okay. what we need. Yeah, so Star Wars Vision Season 2. Exciting. I still need to watch most of Star Wars Vision Season 1, to be honest. Same. I've, I've seen a couple episodes of Visions, but not not most of them. Um, but they look great, so. Um, yeah. Yeah. Visually appealing, it didn't catch my attention but I will rewatch them. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Andor is currently filming season two. I think they uh-huh. showed a little bit of footage from it, like so like behind closed doors kind of thing. There's nothing yeah. online about it. Um, but I mean, there's cell phone yeah, video that I've seen. <laughs> I'm sure there is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Andor is. Uh, it, you know, they're they're working hard on getting out quickly, getting the, the second half of this quickly. Uh, probably just to like, you know continue the momentum of like this super successful show that was like runaway successful. I think even more than yeah. Disney expected. Oh yeah. Um, hey, I would wait as long as it needs for it to be perfect because Andor honestly, season one yeah. was the, 
like the best thing of Star Wars live action I've seen since Revenge of the Sith. Wow. That High well, praise. Them, them's fighting words, but also I mean, I I get it. I get it. Yeah, like, do you it is very good. Like I mean, like I mean, I mean, I, I really like Ro- Rogue One, but this oh, is sure. kind of related to that. So it is. Yeah, um, it's a Rogue One prequel. Yeah. <laughs> I love Rogue yeah. One. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but yes, uh, I I agree uh, that Andor is amazing, and I would wait as long as we needed to. But I'm also glad that it, it's coming sooner rather than later. Indeed, because it's it's very good. It's also uh, they said this is the second half of Andor, so this is going to be the the end of of Andor, and presumably it'll like lead up to uh like just prior to the events of rogue one yeah Um, i believe i read somewhere that it's going to be um like they're going to be basically they're breaking up the season into three episode arcs and each arc mm -hmm. takes place is like a year and so we'll have Mm -hmm. an event like like that three episode arc and then a year like it lapses and then yeah and then another three episodes and then like it basically the final, like the finale of Andor, will end right where Rogue One picks up. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it's gonna be kind yeah, of like man, I'm. I'm excited for us to. I mean, honestly, I'll probably rewatch Rogue One again before we get to it on the podcast because it's gonna be 800 years from now when we get to that, and I love really that movie. <laughs> we have the entire Clone um, Wars to get through before we get there. <laughs> yeah, and all of Rebels. Because um, that's true. Because Rebels, yeah. So like all of Rebels. Is, and then Rebel, Andor. is all of Rebels prior to Andor? Other than like the epilogue at the end. I guess. I mean not Andor, but like not not Andor season one, but it's all before Rogue One. Yes, Rogue One, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. us. Yeah. So um, we'll probably be watching yeah. stuff concurrently. Yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, so Andor's filming season two. Um The Acolyte is an upcoming TV series that we, we got to learn a little more about this time, uh, at Star Wars Celebration. Um, they've said that the Acolyte will tell a story from the perspective of the villains during the High Republic era, and that there'll be lots of Jedi in it, which is super cool. Um, the High Republic era, by the way, is, if you don't know, is the, uh, the era that takes place before the Clone Wars, so there was, like, kind of the height of the Jedi. It's, it's the earliest canon era that we have at the moment. Um, yeah, so. It's in the same era. Sorry, go ahead. I would say this is kind of like the the canon replacement for like the old Republic era in in Legends. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's uh it's gonna take place around the same time as like, uh like the the new High Republic books, right? Like Light of the Jedi, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, Light, yeah, Light of the Jedi is the first High Republic era book. Um, I don't, I don't, and then there's a bunch of other ones in there. They've announced some new ones of that too. So yeah, there's a lot going on in the High Republic era, like in books and comics and stuff. And I think. This will be, I think, the first thing in, like, film or television that takes place during the High Republic, um, which is cool. Indeed. Uh, I think they said it's going to be, like, near the end of the High Republic era. So it'll, it'll be, like, on the, kind of the tail end of, of that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if, like, this is kind of, like, the series is about the, sort of the, not the fall of the Jedi, obviously, but, like, the kind of, their decl- like, the beginning of their decline, I guess, mm-hmm. from, like, the, the, their glory days, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, two other things we got. Jonas uh, uh, Swotomo, who you would know from uh, the sequel trilogy. He, he was the kind of the, the, uh, the double for uh, Chewbacca and then played Chewbacca permanently, like took on the role after um, Peter Mayhew died. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so he's our he's our current Chewbacca. Uh, he will be playing a Wookiee Jedi in the Acolyte, which is super exciting. It's <laughs> super cool. Exciting. I'm excited to see it. Uh, a, a, a Wookiee Jedi. That's just cool. And plus, cool. Jonas Swotomo is just like such a like. If you ever see any interviews with him or anything, he's just it's just like a, a like a happy, positive guy. And so it's it's just it's just cool to have him still around in the Star Wars universe. You know. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Carrie Ann Moss will also be playing a Jedi, which is cool because she's always great in in everything. What else has she been in? Um, she was uh, Trinity in The Matrix. That's kind of her most well known oh. role. Nice. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, she was That'll in. Cool. Uh, more recently, she was uh, a, a major character in Horizon Forbidden West, the video game. Sweet. Um, yeah. She she was in. Um, was it? She was in Jessica Jones. Yeah. She was. She plays oh. like a lawyer. Oh yeah. In Jessica Jones, right? Something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that's Carrie Ann Moss. That's cool. She's gonna be a Jedi, so that's cool. And uh, the acolyte. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, we don't. We still don't know a ton about that, yeah. but it's it's. I, I'm excited. I wonder if the Wookiee that Juno Sutomo is is gonna be portraying is. So I I started reading Light of the Jedi um, mm-hmm. this last week, and there is a Wookiee Padawan in in the book, and it takes place in the same era. Oh, cool. I wonder mm-hmm. if that's the same character. Maybe, yeah. That that is it's a good question. I'm only like I know that they, they through the book, but who knows? Yeah, I well, that's further than I am. I've not started yet, <laughs> even though I bought it. Yeah. Before you, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. Um, I have an I have a time crunch yes, for the audiobook I'm... from the library, so <laughs> gotta do what I gotta do. <laughs> gotcha. The library tells yeah. you when you read. Yeah, and yeah you it's reading. like you have three weeks or else. <laughs> yeah. See, my problem is I I just collect books and then Same. they sit and i don't read <laughs> you know i'm like i'm going to read this um, i'm going to get to it and yeah. then it sits there for four years and then i finally pick it up so i do read them it's just uh yeah. i have more of them that's that's the way I, <laughs> and i actually yeah, that's read the way them. i am with video games yeah it's like yeah I, I wish i was like that with books and that i i actually read things eventually which technically i still could eventually read all the books i bought yeah <laughs> i just i mean they're not going anywhere but True, uh, but yeah, just like with video games, that's kind of how I am. Is I I collect a lot of video games and, and buy up a lot of things, and then I eventually do get around to playing them all. It's just I bounce between a lot of different games. And, There's like too many fun things anyway, to choose from. Um, exactly. We we yeah, we live in an era of unlimited content. You could say. Hey. <laughs> What's that thing called? Like when you're afraid of making choices because you have too many choices. There's a word for that. Analysis paralysis. Decision paralysis. That, sure. I don't know if that was like the official name, but decision yeah. paralysis. I think is it's official to us. Feels right. You both said it with a lot of confidence. So I'm going to choose to believe you. <laughs> we had no paralysis about that decision. Cool. Okay. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> I have to live with this 24 <laughs> seven. <laughs> yeah, it's only it's increased since he's become it's a your dad. Turn now. This is getting out of hand. Now there are two of us. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, okay. So. <laughs> Uh, another show that was talked about was Skeleton Crew, um, which we haven't really known a lot about up until now, I don't think. Um, but they, they did tell us a little bit about, a little bit more about it, and we kind of were introduced to more of the cast. Um, so, uh, it was described as similar to the tone of 80s Amblin movies. So, you, you know, thinking like E.T. and Goonies and things like that. Um, it's gonna star Jude Law as some sort of Force user, maybe a Jedi, um, alongside a bunch of kids. The main cast is, is mostly kids. Love that. Um, I th- they described it as, like, it's going to be, like, a bunch of, like... so It's not going to be, like, a kid's show, but it's going to be, like, you know, a show for everybody that happens to star a bunch of kids, you know? 
Um, and it'll be like about uh, the way that they described it. I think was like it, it's going to be about a group of kids who are kind of whisked off, whisked off on an adventure. So we'll start kind of from the the ground level of like the perspective of just kind of these average kids growing up in the galaxy somewhere, and then they'll get to go on a big adventure. So that, I, I'm excited to see what becomes of that. that it's like a less cool. traumatic version of um, Thor: Love and Thunder. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking this sounds like a Star Wars: Stranger Things. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's that's definitely another good point of reference. I would think. Yeah, um, I liked mine better. Yeah, Stranger Things I definitely also <laughs> very. <laughs> Stranger Things definitely very Amblin. Uh, Is Jude Law's character going to so, be like in charge of the kids? Is he going to be running like a Jedi daycare in this? Because I would watch the heck out of that. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe you should be running I mean, the show. Star Wars is usually just begrudging dad figures hauling kids around. There's a lot so of Star it could Wars. be Jude Law with an entire daycare worth of kids. There's I'm just saying. He could play a grumpy old man. True. Probably could. Yeah. Jude Law, Jude Law is good at most things, and I think grumpy old man is definitely something he could pull off. Yeah. yeah. He also doesn't age at all. Hardly. True. He's one of those actors. He really yeah. is. <laughs> He's beautiful. Um, I'm sorry. It's all right. <laughs> He's a beautiful man. You're like, I'm not, yes, he is. <laughs> I'm not threatened. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen uh, Gattaca? It's a good movie. I've seen Gattaca. I've heard of it. It's a good movie. I've heard Is of it a lot. Is Jude Law in that movie? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's he's one of the two main guys. <laughs> okay, I watched that movie in like ninth grade before I knew who Jude Law was. So it's one of those <laughs> yeah. like movies that like you watch it like when you're a kid and then you go back and like, oh, that was that guy. That's, it's that person. Yeah. I'm having that. I'm having that right now. Hmm. Yeah. There uh, we are. Yeah. Anyway, Gattaca. Watch it. It's it's good and it's sad and it's good. Anyway. Uh, I need to watch Donnie then... Darko first, because that uh, sounds like the same thing. <laughs> I don't think that Donnie was like Darko a vibe in my like brain Gattaca. that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, one other thing about the skeleton, about skeleton crew is they announced a, a list of the directors who are going to be directing the episodes. Um, I don't think I recognized any of them except for uh, the Daniels, who you might know as uh, being the directors behind Everything Everywhere All, all at Once. They'll be directing an episode, which is super rad. Uh, nice. It's an amazing movie. You know, I mean, it won Best Picture, so you probably knew that. Yeah, but... we need to watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's on the watch list. It, it's very good. Um, is it, can yeah, you stream it somewhere? Do you... Where can you stream it? it might still I think be in it's theaters, like... right? Or did, uh, are they doing both? No. Okay. Uh, I think they. it's probably... Well, I don't know. Maybe they put it back in theaters because they won the Oscar. That's definitely possible. But I think it was... At least for a while, it was like exclusive to Showtime or something. Mm. Um Something like that. So anyway, because Hulu, Hulu's got a Showtime thingy, right? Yeah. Uh, I, you I think you have to for buy it. a subscription. Yeah. Oh. It's like an extra like, thing. Womp, womp. The other one. I forgot there's yeah. another one attached. Or they just bought another streaming company. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the so the last bit of news that I was excited about from uh, Celebration, among the 8,000 different things that we learned. Um, was Return of the Jedi is coming back to theaters later this month for its 40th anniversary, which is cool. I'm, I'm hoping that... Uh, I don't think they've announced, like, where it's going to be, or, like, hopefully it'll get a pretty wide release and I'll be able to see it in theaters, because that's that's one of the ones I don't think I've ever seen theatrically, so that's exciting. Um, yes. And they announced it alongside a really rad-looking poster. Oh my gosh, that poster's I, so I, pretty. I, I, I would buy that poster. I, I want a full size of that poster, and I want to frame it on my wall. It looks really nice. It looks very beautiful. Yes. Such yeah. a pretty poster. I love it. With like, it has like the, the Death Star kind of like, throne room window in the background, which I've imposing. Mm-hmm. 
Luke Vader kind of, or Luke Skywalker kind of like in the middle, and a little tiny Emperor in the foreground, and then oh, yeah. kind of like and, and then Endor by the forests of Endor. Yeah, you know? it was a very very pretty poster. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. I want it. Um, but yeah, that was Star Wars Celebration. Generally so many speaking. things. <laughs> so much. Three movies. We got Ahsoka. We got Tales of the Jedi. We got. Star Wars Visions, we got the Bad Batch, we got Andor, we got the Acolyte, we got Skeleton Crew, we've got Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and then also, uh, the uh, Star Wars video game, uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, is coming out later this month. Yes, I'm very excited about um, And every, <laughs> if you're watching the live stream at all, um, every single microphone that they had had a little logo on it advertising Jedi Survivor. <laughs> and I was like, yep, that that's... Yep, they're they're really getting their 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 money's worth out of this advertising scheme with with this. <laughs> anyway, yes, yeah, um, I'm very excited about that that game. They released a, a a final trailer for it, I think, yesterday, the day before, and it looks super great. And I'm very excited. Um, yeah, I feel like I saw footage of this might have been from the trailer, but Calcast uh, is throwing a stormtrooper into a Tie Fighter while fighting him. Like that was yeah, like, sounds about right. Yeah, it looked really cool. Yes, so excited. Like, I, I loved the first game, but, like, based on the trailers that they've released so far for this one, it looks like they've improved on basically everything. Like, the combat looks more fun. It looks like there's more like, exciting cinematic set-piece moments. Uh, it just, yeah, it looks amazing, and I'm super excited. And you get to go to Coruscant, I think, which is super cool, because I don't think I've ever been to Coruscant in a, in a like, a definitely not a video game of this, like, scale and, like, kind of budget, you know? Yeah. So that'd be cool. Um, yeah. Love. All right. Uh, so that was Star Wars Celebration, which was a, a whole lot of stuff. Um, how about we talk about what else we've been watching slash reading slash playing slash listening to, etc. this past week. Uh, Sam, you want to go first? Sure. I mean, I already kind of into that, but I've been, uh, reading slash listening to an audiobook of The Light of the Jedi, which is the first, um, first novel in the High Republic era. Um, it's really good so far. I mean, it's kind of, like, it feels, I'm, like, reading through it, and, like, a lot of the story kind of feels really predictable, and then I realize I'm only, like, 20% into the book, so, like, there's, like, a lot of, like, I, I'm still kind of, like, in the opening portion of the story, um, mm-hmm. but it kind of takes place at, like, the height of the Republic and the height of the Jedi, um, and just, like, Jedi, like, having powers that, like, seem like bonkers compared to like what we see even in the the prequels um like there's like Mm. jedi like when they commune with the force can like levitate because they're just like so in touch with the force or like they can um use the force to like link telepathically like other jedi like basically kind of just like having like a it's like a radio network through the force (laughs) where they can all like like they're all kind of like walking into each other but like Oh, yeah, cool. so there, the 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 story kind of opens like there's like some sort of big system wide natural disaster happening, and the Jedi kind of swoop in to, to help. And yeah, they they they, they use the Force to, um, to kind of communicate across different ships and across the planets and all that kind of stuff. So everyone kind of like keep tabs on each other all at once. So it's pretty nuts. That's cool. Um, I'm excited to see where it goes, what happens, and all that stuff. Um, and evidently, there's a lot of these books out already. Like, I think 
I don't know. I don't yeah. know how many. There's there's been like multiple like stages of of the story. So we've gotten through like like arc one and which is what this is in, and then arc two, and then I think they just announced a bunch of stuff for like the third arc. Yeah. Of the higher public uh, at celebration. I like didn't realize that there were like more than like one or two of these books. So like I looked it up on like my like library app, and there's like. I saw, like, the eighth one in the series. I'm like, what? I didn't know there were more than three. Yeah, so. which, like, yeah, and it's, I, I was kind of the same way, because I, like, I didn't realize how many that they'd released so far, because, like, it honestly hasn't been that long since they started The Higher Public. They just been have been releasing everything at a, a pretty fast clip, yeah. you know? So, that's exciting. But that's really all I've been doing, other than that, other than work, and it's been Easter, and I've just been vegging. So it's been nice. So that's all I've, uh, that's all I've really been doing. Well, Sarah, do you, do you want to talk about, uh, do you want to go, Sarah? Do you want to talk about what you've been sure reading, watching? Yeah, yeah, I've been very slowly reading Homer's Odyssey, but it's translated. It's uh-huh. the only Odyssey that's been translated by a female, like into the English language. So, oh, cool! It's supposed to be a really interesting perspective on how she like just like translated a lot of like editing that went into the Odyssey over 2,000 years of Western civilization and, like, Christianity and, like, a lot of things that were, like, mm-hmm. changed for the time translation and the sexist <laughs> translation of a few words that sure, has happened. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I've been reading that slowly, and I have been... What have I been doing? I'm always doing something. I've been gardening a lot. That's what I've been up to because the weather's been oh. turning, and that's all I've been. I'm just a grandma, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, rad. What are you? What are you growing? Is it just flowers veggies or is it and like... native wildflowers, and yeah, Ooh. getting rid of invasive species. Excellent. What veggies? I need to know. <laughs> all the veggies. A lot. Um, right, right now you have, uh, green onions, shallots, potatoes, red onions. And I'm gonna, I have carrots, garlic. Man, y- y'all gotta, tomatoes, gotta make a stew. A couple so of times. I'll, I'll come and visit you and I'll have some stew from your, your garden. Yeah. I think that's that it. sounds good. I think that's it. Just a veggie stew, yeah. Heck yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited. It's... It's all kind of like really starting to sprout now, and it's really awesome. exciting to watch. Sarah's been working her tail off, and it's mm-hmm. like really, really cool to see it all kind of come together. Yeah, I started a lot of seeds. You're supposed to like start seeds indoors mm-hmm. in like early, early winter, so that like by the time the last frost is coming yeah. around, you're ready to plant them all in the ground. So I just did a deep dive, and that's all I've been doing. Now that the weather is warm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got a few friends who are uh, have green thumbs and are, are really into their their plants and stuff, and it's it's one of those things where like, uh, yeah, that sounds cool and fun, and I, I like I, you know, I think it's cool that they do it, and I just feel like there's so much I I could like fall down a rabbit hole of doing all of doing research and figuring out what how do I what's the the best way to do this what's the correct way to do this and I would just never do anything because I'd be like I have to do it right agonizing I, w- I would have analysis paralysis there it is there it is <laughs> buzzword of the podcast <laughs> this episode is brought to you by the phrase analysis paralysis <laughs> oh man and the letter P well Jack what have you been reading uh 
I've not been reading. <laughs> but I, 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 like I said, I bought Light of the Jedi at an airport a few oh, weeks it was ago, an and I've not. It's been, I've like had it. Mm, yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was actually it was cool. It was I was at a SFO, the the San Francisco airport, um, and they have a little bookstore there that was like, uh, it was it was honestly a nice little bookstore, and they had like, uh, you know, it wasn't your typical like. You know how a lot of airport bookstores feel very sort of corporate, and it's just oh, yeah. like we put stuff up, and it's it's you know it's like based on algorithms probably and like bestsellers, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was like this felt more York. like yeah, this felt more like a curated place, and there were like you know areas in the shelves that were like here's uh, books that our employees recommend, and with like little, little notes and stuff I on it. I love those. Those are yeah. so fun. Yeah, and th- there was a, a section that was just they had a little Star Wars section of all Star Wars books and stuff, and one of them was Light of the Jedi and. It was recommended by one of the employees, and and when I bought it, the uh, the when I, I I bought it, checked out, and left, and the employee who checked me out said, uh, "May the force be with you." I was like, oh, "Thank you, <laughs> you too." Um, yeah, so excited to to do that, to, to read that. Um, unfortunately, I also have a, a crippling half price books uh, addiction that <laughs> I just so does Sam. You know, half price books is my happy place. It's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, yeah. I, also, I also bought... Like, see, this section is going to turn into me just talking about what books I've bought and not what books I've read. <laughs> yeah, I'm here for it. <laughs> but uh, there's a, a graphic novel that's been on my, my reading, my to-read list for a while that I uh, found the other day at Half Price Books for cheap. Um, it's called Squire. And it's like a... Kind of like a like a Middle Eastern-inspired, like, action, epic fantasy sort of situation. Kind of the, like, young adult spin on it. Um Anyway, it looks really good, and it's got good reviews, and it's got beautiful art, and I'm excited to, to dive in at some point. See, the thing about comics is that I can more easily, like, you know, sit down and sit and you know, read through that in one or two sittings. Yeah. So I, I yeah, feel like yeah. I'm, I'm better at reading comics than I am at reading, like, novels. So Sure. Right. Um, hey, I love yeah. a graphic novel. Yes. But another thing that I have too many of that I, <laughs> that I need to read through, I, I've, I've owned Watchmen for, like a year now and <laughs> haven't read it um dude watchman is so good oh you've actually read it i thought you have also read, just had it no i read around. it <laughs> i i read it in high school i borrowed my buddies in high school and i like never had a copy of my own and then like i think i checked out from the library in college so i've read it probably three or four times since high school oh. it's really good it's one of my it's one of my favorites right well that's that's books um so the the main thing that I did this past week is I watched a couple movies. Um, I <laughs> I watched two different video game movies, two very different video game movies. Um, the first one is Tetris, which is a movie that came out on Apple TV oh, Plus yeah. recently, um, and it is uh, not a movie uh, based on Tetris. Sadly, <laughs> that's what I thought it was immediately. Yeah, <laughs> it it is a, a a movie that is a dramatization of the the actual true story behind the fight for distribution rights of Tetris. Um, and it's honestly really interesting. Like, I, this is a story that I was familiar with from before, because I've, I've, like, watched some YouTube videos about it. There's a, a YouTube channel called The Gaming Historian, uh, who made a, a, he made a really good documentary about the history of Tetris. Um, but basically, it's, it's interesting because, like, it was made by one guy in his free time, he, like, this, this programmer, um... But it, he, you know, he's from Russia, and it, this was during, you know, 
the Soviet Union. And so, and he worked for the government and he, and so like anything he made didn't really belong to him. And so it was like, you know, he, he made this just for fun, just for the joy of it. And it, you know, it ended up like being in the clutches of the, the Soviet government. And, uh, they like, it's kind of about like the, all the sort of weirdness and complexities of them trying to like, of them selling the rights and of like different sort of parties within the Soviet Union being like, well, if we, if we start selling things, then that's a slippery slope to, you know, turning into capitalism. And so, and you know, this is like, it's near kind of the, the end of the, the Soviet era is when this takes place. And it's, it's, it's really interesting kind of look into like the sort of politics of things through the lens of this video game, you know? Yeah. Uh, Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's really it's a really good movie. That was it was very well done, um, and I, I looked up like an article afterwards of like you know what what parts of this were true and what parts weren't, and it was like basically everything that happened in the movie actually happened for real. Like the I mean you know there were some things that they like definitely dramatized about it or like abbreviated, and then there was one there was like there's a, <laughs> there's a car chase at the end that didn't happen in real life, but like you know you other it than up. like you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's very spruced up and it's it's like. It's also like really like funny and it's this it's a great kind of like comedy drama. Uh yeah. So I definitely I, I highly recommend it if that sounds interesting to you. So that was super fun. Um and then the day after that, I went and saw the Super Mario Bros. movie <laughs> nice. on opening day. Was it good? Uh it's so I, I <laughs> I wrote out my thoughts uh, on Letterboxd, if anybody wants to check that out at some point. But uh, essentially, my takeaway was, if you are above the age of eight and don't care about Mario or Nintendo, then you probably won't enjoy it very much. (laughs) But if you're a huge Nintendo nerd like I am, you will probably love it. It's just, it's, the plot and the characters are all very sparse and one-dimensional. You know, it's not going to win any awards, but like visually it's it's really beautiful at times uh and there's actually there's a few like really well choreographed action sequences and chase sequences um but beyond that it's it's pretty sparse and you know sort of a a whatever movie but the fact that like it's just full of references to the games and it's and it's what makes me happy is like that you know they could have just been like here's all the the basic mario stuff that everybody knows and just referenced like the original Super Mario Bros. and Donkey Kong, and that's it. But, like, there are elements from the, in this movie from every major Mario game, like, from Donkey Kong through, like, Super Mario Odyssey on the Switch. There's, like, you know, so many little references. Uh, there's so many little, like, musical motifs that they take directly from the games and work into the score. Honestly, like, watching that movie, for, for somebody who's, like, who loves Mario or who loves Nintendo, it's like a game. Like, getting to kind of sit down and just spot like how many of these things are easter eggs like like and like every every scene has at least a couple things in it that it's that i could just be like oh i know that that's from x game or you know it's it was just it was super fun if if that sounds like it's up your alley i would say watch it uh i really enjoyed it it was a lot of fun and if you have little kids i'm sure they will love it too um and that's yeah that sounds like performances were all yeah performances were all good um Chris Pratt was fine. Uh, I, you know, I thought, you know, I, I thought he did a pretty good job. Um, the weirdest thing was just like, it didn't seem like he, you know, landed on accent 
ever. <laughs> there was like, you know, I feel like sixty percent of the time it's just Chris Pratt being Chris Pratt, and then the other forty percent of the time he's like trying to put on sort of a Brooklyn accent, you know? Yeah. And it, <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, all the other performances were good. Jack Black, especially as Bowser. Oh my excellent. gosh, I have heard that Jack Black's uh, performance was, like, the entire reason to go see the movie. Yeah, yeah, he, he hams it up, and it, it's very much like, yeah, no, this is this is Jack Black having fun and committing to the role 100%, as he is wont to do. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Definitely not, like, an amazing movie that I would, like, put on my list of favorite movies or anything, sure. but I... It was just so fun and satisfying to get to go to this movie and and feel like the people who made this movie were just as passionate about these games as I am. Yeah, you know that they're they're they were clearly like you know even if it's not like a narratively super exciting movie, it is still clearly made from a place of love and passion for the for these characters in this world. Yeah, so nice. That was really good. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, so uh, Mario Bros. movie was great. Um, and then also, the other thing I watched this past week was, of course, the latest Mandalorian episode, which... Oh, of course. What a weird, amazing episode that was. So, this is an episode with Jack Black, Lizzo, and Christopher Lloyd all cameoing in major roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, incredible. Which, by the way, this episode came out the same day that the Super Mario Bros. movie came out, so I got double Jack Black that day. We got Jack Black as Bowser, and we got wow. Jack Black as this weird uh, leader of a of a planet, like with a big beard. And anyway, he was delightful. Married as, to as, Lizzo, ma- married to Lizzo, and a member of the Imperial Rehabilitation Program. Yeah, Man, yeah, that's a that's a lot of things. Um, and then that's we also got Christopher things. Lloyd as like a. Basically, like a security guy, like head of the yeah, the head of security like, and Count Dooku sympathizer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which man, this 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 episode had everything. It had a bunch of random cameos from amazing people. It had a basically the, the main plot of the, the the episode was like a investigation, almost murder mystery thing, but it was about droids, and they got to go to a droid bar, and yeah. it was a, it was and, what if Mandalorian a space, was a cop show? And yeah, a space exactly. microbiologist. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah, there was a space microbiologist that we got to, to meet, and they, like, analyzed things. Anyway, they solved the mystery and found out that Christopher Lloyd's character was actually a separatist sympathizer, and, like, <laughs> he's a Dooku stan, basically. Yeah. A separatist sympathizer in the area post, in the era post-Empire. Yeah, which, which, I mean, wow. Impressive that you, power to you hung on to things that long. Um, yeah. Uh, so then, yeah, Mando and Bo-Katan get the, like, the key to the city, <laughs> and, oh, yeah. the, and then they're sent off in their, uh, hyper, which, by the way, they call it a hyperloop. They just call it the hyperloop. It's just, just Elon like, Musk's thing. Yeah, yeah. Except it probably works. Um, yeah, Elon Musk's <laughs> thing does not exist right now. Right now, it's basically a subway, but for Teslas. That's yeah, what it is right now. Yeah. Yeah, the, the... the <laughs> Elon Musk is really good at making things that are just worse versions of things that already exist. At the um, Cybertruck. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that car has N64 graphics. <laughs> totally there does. are no rounded edges on that <laughs> nope. piece of yeah. metal. <laughs> and and there's no crumple zones 
people are gonna die in that. So many people <laughs> are gonna die. Oh my god. Uh, Just spikes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, after the 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 kind of main chunk of this episode, uh, we finally get to the what was the ostensibly the point of them coming to this planet, uh, which was them finding all of the Mandalorians that had uh, left Bo-Katan and gone on to be mercenaries. Um, that were like basically being the sort of unofficial standing army of security for this planet. Um, and Bo-Katan goes and is like, hey, you guys want to join me and, and, like, retake Mandalore? And they're like, no, why would we? No, what? And then they, they're like, you don't even have the Darksaber. That guy is the Darksaber. And then Bo-Katan's like, yeah, well, I'll fight you. <laughs> so, it was a great fight. And so we get it. Yeah, we, it was honestly a great fight. Yeah, we got a cool Mandalorian on Mandalorian one-on-one fight with just jetpacks and, and wrist things and punching and it was super cool and Bo-Katan wins and then they're all like oh I guess we uh, follow her now and then he's like well you don't even have the Darksaber and then <laughs> then Mando is like well actually she saved me and defeated the thing that defeated me when I had the Darksaber so technically she does own the it, yeah, it was, it was by, very like by the transitive property of the Darksaber <laughs> exactly it was very like like uh the elder wand in, mm. in, the, yeah. in harry potter mm-hmm. it was like yeah i defeated draco who did what you know like it's like so technically the wand is mine but you know so mm-hmm. um but that was cool so uh, by this very strange and amazing episode and all these weird events we end up with bo-katan finally uh is once again, the leader of all these Mandalorians, and she has the dark saber. And I guess we're ready to go and retake Mandalore, or you know, or at least we're closer to being ready. Yeah. yeah. Um, what What worries me is that just given the pattern of how Star Wars shows work, is at least in like Dave Filoni Star Wars shows, there's like towards the end of the season, you'll have a fun, goofy episode of something mm. to contrast the episode that follows immediately after which is like dark and sad or tragic or like something yeah they're yeah they're gonna try and take back mandalore and then everybody's gonna die or something yeah no. yeah because in bad batch season two we had like they were on pabu or whatever it was called like that like idyllic mm. island city that looked like it was straight out of greece and then immediately next episode tech dies yeah like it's a so yeah. It's the calm before the storm. Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, that was this episode. Oh no. Oh, oh no. Yeah. So who knows what'll happen? I'm I'm excited to see where this goes, and I'm, I'm man. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I'm excited to see mm-hmm. it. So I, and that's that's really all you can ask for, I guess. Yep. All right. Well, without further ado, I guess it's time to get into our main segment, where we are going to be talking about the first feature length film in canon, Star Wars Episode One. The Phantom Menace. You refer to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the Force. You believe it's this boy? He can see things before they happen. He can help you. The Force is unusually strong with him. He was meant to help you. Anakin! Tell him to take off! Will I ever see you again? What does your heart tell you? Are you sure about this? Trusting our fate to a boy we hardly know? Anakin Skywalker, meet Obi-Wan Kenobi. I sense much fear in you. The boy is dangerous. They all sense it. Why can't you? Fear is the path to the dark side. 
Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Sam, where in the timeline does this take place? This takes place 32 years before the Battle of Yavin. Awesome. Well, so since usually what we do here is we'll like go through beat by beat and summarize the thing that we watched and talk about it. Um, this, I think for the, the, the movies, at least definitely the, like the mainline saga movies, we can kind of assume that everybody's seen them and we don't have to go play by play. Um, but what I am interested in is, uh, Sarah, would you like to give us a summary of what happened in this episode, in, in this movie? Yes. Like, so that yeah, you guys can laugh memory. at me. That's what I told Sam. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be real bad. <laughs> but yeah, I would love to. <laughs> It'll entertain everyone listening that knows everything <laughs> way more than I do. Probably. Okay, hey, you know that, what? That's why we brought we're, you here. We're today. glad to have you here regardless. <laughs> what, is, what did you call it? The, the unexpert. The yeah. unexpert? Yeah. Yeah, you're our, you're our first unexpert. I love that. Yeah. You can introduce yeah. me as a such. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lady unexpert. Oh, man. What um, happens in Starship is one of the Phantom Menace. Go. We watched it last night. We watched so. it last night, and I'm still kind of like, uh, I don't really know what's happening. <laughs> also, if you hear a cat yowling in the background, that is Resident Butthole, our yeah. cat. GG. Resident Butthole? It's a great I'm name. Should I could feed the cat while you summarize? Yeah, you should. Okay, great. Resi- I'll be able to hear. Resident Butthole is the name of my new band. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll just... We should wait. Yeah. And that's why we got a second cat, because she would do that all the time outside our door at night, just yowl the top of her lungs, and then we got another cat, and she stopped doing that, unless she's starving. Is, is it do they yowl at each other now? or they No, she just, I think, company? the other one just annoys Gigi so much, she doesn't have time yeah, to yowl. There was there. She had <laughs> Excellent. Well, why was she... She probably just wants in. She does. Okay. Too bad. We'll be back. Okay. So, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Go. Something about a trade <laughs> tax federation? Trade federation? Yeah. <laughs> trade federation, that's a real thing. Um, I used to get so much anxiety as a kid watching, like, the scroll across the screen, because I could never read fast enough, and now I can read fast enough, and I still don't oh. really know what's going on. <laughs> Um, For this movie, that's understandable, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like I could tell you more about two or three, but that's why I'm on one. one. (laughs) Um, So, the Jedi Council sends two of their own to go negotiate or just, like, survey a bunch of spaceships. (laughs) Sam's laughing at me already. Oh, God. What were they? The, it was just like a droid This is your story, Sarah. Thing. How have I yeah, already... This is Sarah's version of... The- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> word for word, you will never need to watch the actual movie if you just listen to my yes. summary. <laughs> um, but it turns out that the Trade Federation is not so secretly bad and is being run by Palpatine in disguise as Darth Sidious. Yes. Okay. Nice. I almost said Darth Insidious, so we're right. doing great. Um, I mean, it's, it's where it comes from. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they are... Sidious tells them, deals his henchmen to, like, kill the Jedi. Because they shouldn't be mixed up in their business. And then the whole movie is kind of them being tracked down by Sidious's 
Apprentice Darth Maul. I think I'm on the right. <laughs> right. No, that, that, that's all. That's all correct. <laughs> you haven't said anything false at the moment. Um, but they get shipwrecked, kind of. Some something in their like flying ship leaving the Sidious planet. Was that a separate planet? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Something goes wrong. They get stranded on Tatooine. The Jedi do leaving that, and. <laughs> struggling what happened i mean i i just had my runs around <laughs> disguised as her own decoy queen amidala karen knightley and natalie portman apparently looked the same when they were 12 there's a bunch of pod racing it's the most important part of the movie yeah and i didn't realize how wholesome young anakin was like as a kid yeah. and now as an adult i'm like He's so sweet. Also, didn't you say that he that actor got flack like Jar Jar Binks for? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. people are Dick so Lloyd mean because he was bullied, yeah. so sweet and I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I, I do want to talk for a second about about young Anakin in this because like I feel like the, the sort of the narrative that people like is kind of assumed about this movie is that Jake Lloyd is bad and that that. that young Anakin is, like, a bad character, badly written. And in rewatching this, I was like, no, he's just, like, you know, acting in the way that, like, a, a smart, overconfident kid would. Yeah. yeah. You know, he, he's, you know, I, I think the way that he acts in this is, like, very much lines up with sort of, like, especially, like, Clone Wars era Anakin. Uh, you know, he, he's very sort of, like, you know, he's smart and, he, and good at things and he knows it and he's sure of himself um, but he's also still like a, you know, he's a, a sweet kid, he's a mama's boy, and he wants to, you know, he, he he talks in a way that's very, like, kind of confident, and I think maybe people aren't used to, like, kids talking quite that way. We're, we're used to kids being portrayed as more, like, keeping to themselves or, or being, like, a little less well-spoken, but I think it makes sense the way that he, he's portrayed in yeah. this. Um, yeah, and I'll just say, as a, as a youth, someone who works with with young people for a living, young Anakin mm-hmm. Skywalker is exactly what I'd expect a cocky little nine-year-old in space to act like. <laughs> like exactly. Because I have yeah, those yeah. kids in my youth group. Like, it's just, he's just like, the <laughs> I've kid. I've never yeah. won a pod racing race, yeah, no, but I will I mean, today. <laughs> he is, I mean, he was like, like, I, there's a kid in my youth group, he's like, he's a star baseball player, and I'm like, oh, that's that kid. Got it. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's, yeah. Anakin's like, you want to see my my droid I'm making? You want to see my? <laughs> you want to see the, this pod racer I built? Did you know that you know he's he's very much like he's an excited little kid who's just super into things and knows what he's into and like yeah, it totally makes sense that he would act this way. And I think they did a great job with yeah, it. Yeah, no, I was thinking about that in the back of my mind while watching this. I was like, I don't get it. Yeah, this is fine. There's nothing flack worthy about his performance. Yeah. People are just mean. And also. It kind of makes it sad because, like, as a little kid, he's so sweet and like thoughtful and like of his mom and mm-hmm. I guess his peers around him and mm-hmm. his juxtaposition of him being twisted into a evil, selfish, binge ridden. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. Know. It's almost like George Lucas actually knew what he was doing this yeah. whole time. He did. And people he can just... tell a good story. What a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay. So, uh, yeah, young Annie and Pod Race. Uh, what, what happens next? <laughs> they win the pod race, which gets the money, and then also somehow Liam Neeson, I'm just going to call him Liam Neeson, uh, sure. gets Anakin's freedom. 
in the pod race as well. And so he takes Anakin home with him to be trained. And then other things happen. Darth Maul catches up with them. There was like something as they were like leaving the planet finally. And then he like shows up on a motorcycle. Yeah. I love, I think it's hilarious that Darth Maul has no idea who this kid is, but just like, like his first instinct, like he's chasing down these kids. He wants to just truck. Anakin, <laughs> like he's going. Like, I'm gonna kill this kid right now. Yeah, for no, like for like little did, little did he know that if Anakin didn't drop, like that's the end of the yeah, that's the end of the, Star Wars. The Empire would have never risen to power. Yeah, no, it's honestly also <laughs> first of all, yeah, I think it's hilarious that that like his his thought when he's like. I see a kid in front of me. I'm gonna run it over, like how some like it's like like a vindictive person. Like I'm gonna try and run over this bird. Just in the hates road everyone for, for no reason. <laughs> yeah, and then also like before that, when he when he first gets on his bike and he like he like <laughs> he's like driving towards the ship, he drops off a cliff <laughs> like very suddenly, and I just thought it's very silly the way that happens. He's just like he's just like driving forward. And he's like, and we don't see him for like three seconds, and then we see him driving it. He's like, oh, he's okay, okay. <laughs> It's it's a silly movie. We can say it's a silly movie. It's yeah. It's all yeah, Star Wars it's movies are silly, in, movie. but in it, some it, great like, ways. it checks out for oh, a, a movie but... made in '99. It was very like oh, yeah. wholesome '90s it's kid a, it's movie. It's very vibe. much like a tale out of the '90s kind of movie. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah. So so Maul catches up with them and they fight and then they leave and and then yeah. And then what? I don't. They just uh, Queen Amidala, aka Natalie Portman. Tries to keep people from dying on her home planet, Naboo. Really can't tell you why they were dying. Something about the Tax Federation, probably. Yeah. Um, but she is like, I don't want to sign this treaty! Blah. And then Palpatine, like, weasels his way into the Senate, or whatever. Was it the Senate? Yes, the Senate. Well, he was already a Senate. But he was, but, like... like- the top dude or something. He has a name. He becomes, he becomes chancellor. chancellor. They, they force out chancellor. the chancellor. Uh, and then uh, he basically becomes, automatically becomes the frontrunner to be the new chancellor. Yeah. And then Queen Amidala kind of went off script and being like aggressive and asking for Jar Jar Binks, who is a huge part of this movie. I don't know how I missed that up to <laughs> I miss a lot. It's fine. Um... Yeah, Jar Jar's yeah, here. It's also. late. It's yeah, fine. yeah, it's late. I'm so tired. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she makes a peace treaty with like Jar Jar Binks's race of people that live in a lake under Naboo or a different planet. I don't know. It's Naboo. Yeah, you're right. Um, and then that army kind of helps her lead this charge into taking the, the, the was it the Tax Federation? Trade Federation. Yeah. That. Yep. Um, takes them. I my mind just stopped. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, basically the rest. I'm so tired. The rest of the, the rest of the movie is just battle. So yeah. it's just battle, and the good guys win. That's the movie. And well, the sad part is that Liam Neeson gets killed, and Obi Wan becomes the master of Anakin. Indeed. By kind of forcing Yoda True. to make him the master of Anakin. Yeah, rip, rip Liam Neeson. We see we see an aggressive Obi Wan at the end of this movie, which is kind of cool to see. Which we don't see a lot in the rest of the movies because he's yeah. very much like by the book, but. True. It's kind of like the one time we see him, like really, like yeah, his anger, and he's like, "No, I'm, I'm flipping doing this." But yeah, that's the movie. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. (laughs) That was that was it. 
Yeah, honestly, you don't need to watch the movie now. That's we've got it. That's it. No one ever you needs to watch it. any other Star Wars movie ever again. That's all you need to know from the entire <laughs> podcast over. And is click my done. explanation. <laughs> that misses like most of it. See y'all next time on limited content. <laughs> um, I mean, this is pretty unlimited. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a buffet of content. All right. Uh, so do we want? To, I guess we kind of Sam and I already talked about our our history with the Phantom Menace a little bit, like. At the beginning of the, like, on the first episode of the podcast, we talked about, like, we grew up with Phantom Menace and, and the prequels in general, but, like, yeah, we, we, we like, this is a movie we watched a, a bajillion times growing up, um, <clears throat> and I think, for me, at least, my, my opinion has changed several times on the Phantom Menace and on the prequels in general, but, like, because uh, I feel like there was a, I mean, growing up, I, I loved them, I didn't really understand the, the political stuff. But like I still enjoyed it because there was pod racing and lightsabers and and yeah it was it's just it's super cool and has great music and there's so much to like about it even if you don't get like the the trade federation and tax roots and and whatever um, yeah and th- and then I feel like there was a a period of time like when we were growing up during like middle school and high school where like uh, it it kind of became the norm it kind of like invoke to sort of hate on the prequels and be like, actually those movies were bad and terrible and we should just make fun of them. And then people like made fun of them to the point that like they started memeing about it. And then the memes became like affectionate when people realized like, actually these movies are really fun and we like them a lot. It was almost like the, the memeing of these movies made people turn around on them and realize like, Oh, actually these are fun movies and we like them a lot. And now there's, there's people who like, you know, grew up with them who are now all grown up and like really appreciate them for what they are like genuinely. Um, and I, so I think yeah, the prequels have kind of entered a Renaissance a bit mm-hmm. in the recent yeah. years. Um, yeah. And it also helps that we, I think the clone wars especially helps a lot. The fact that like that show does so much to flesh out the characters of the prequels and the events of the prequels in, in ways that the movies didn't get a chance to. Yeah. Um, and I feel like th- this is the first time that I've watched the Phantom Menace since, uh, really watching all the way through the Clone Wars. Like, this is my first time, like, sitting down and really, like, paying attention to this movie and watching it since I, like, got into Clone Wars. Um, and I think that's really affected kind of my, uh, my perception of these characters in this world. And, like, I know a lot more about the universe and little details and, and, and things that I, I hadn't noticed before or didn't pay attention to before or didn't, like, mean much to me. Um, and I, I like I appreciate Qui Gon Jinn as a character a lot more now. And oh yeah, especially after watching yeah. like, Tales of the Jedi, like mm-hmm. his his character arc, like and just like what we know about Dooku. I feel like my mm-hmm. appreciation of Qui Gon Jinn as a character was vastly increased in this in this watch through. Definitely, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Qui Gon's great, and it, honestly, it, it's interesting to me. Like in in watching this movie, I was like thinking about it and honestly Qui-Gon is like the protagonist of this movie which isn't like I mean obviously Anakin's the protagonist of the whole thing and you know but like I mean he's important obviously I don't know that there's one necessarily like one protagonist of this movie there there's a few different like you could argue that Anakin's the protagonist you could argue that Padme is the protagonist of this movie um, but I feel like Qui-Gon is the, the one who kind of is the most important character and drives a lot of what happens. And we, I feel like we spend the most time with Qui-Gon than any other character. Yeah. Um, which is, which is, which is kind of neat. Just like to, to think about like, that this is kind of Qui-Gon's movie. And then like, 
uh, Attack of the Clones is and, and Return of the Jedi are both kind of Anakin and Obi-Wan's movie, kind of as a duo. Yeah. Um, but we get to kind of see more like, like Qui-Gon's side of things in, in this first movie. Yeah, I do like that. Um, one thing I noticed in this watch through that I had never noticed before um, was the parallels between this movie and A New Hope. Um, I never really yeah. like. I never really like noticed those before, um, because like people gave uh, the Force Awakens a lot of crap for just being like a beat for beat redo of A New Hope, but the Phantom Menace. Yeah was in a lot of ways, like, especially, like, the third act of Phantom Menace, that was a new hope, mm-hmm. like, we had... Yeah, honestly, I, w- I was thinking about that, too, yeah, like, the, there's there's a lot that they have in common, but, like, I feel like, in some ways, the Phantom Menace is a lesson in, like, how better to redo a new hope. Yes. You know, the, the Force Awakens feels much more like a straight, like, let's do the original trilogy again, but, like, there's some different characters in it. Yeah. Um, And, like, let's change the way things look a little bit, whereas Phantom Menace is, like, follow like largely follows the same structure as a new hope and you know ha- like like you said like follows some of the same beats there's a you know a, a big battle at the end there's a lightsaber battle that's also there's like a a, a space battle and then they blow up a big thing in space that, yeah. that with two photon torpedoes you know, and it's a skywalker day <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um you know th- there's a lot that they have in common but like i feel like the one of the things that the prequels have to their advantage, and especially the Phantom Menace, is that it feels so new and different. They do so many new things with it. Like we, it's it's a very different feeling world. Like it still feels like Star Wars, but we get to see a lot of like, uh, you know, this is pre-Imperial, and we get to see the like Naboo is such a different planet than any of the of the other planets we see in the original trilogy. It's it's, it's just so like beautiful and mm-hmm. idyllic, and its sort of architecture and the way that its ships look and everything are so much more. Like elegant, and Less, like, uh, whereas in, in... <laughs> like, <laughs> it's down, yeah, it's... like the second one just looks exactly like they were filming at a private resort. At, like Como. I mean, they <laughs> they were filming it at like like at like a uh, I, I I remember I've seen people like on Twitter and whatever like will just post pictures. Like I saw this one guy; he was a big Star Wars fan. His girlfriend wasn't a huge Star Wars fan, but like they went on this trip to Italy. Like and he was like gonna propose and he proposed in the like the wedding spot from from Attack of the Clones and I don't think she realized That's what amazing. it was until like she posted a side by side shot and uh, I hope they're still together because that's that's a good thoughtful man and he's hey, like if you don't know what it is Lake Como is beautiful so. yeah I mean he took her to Lake Como come on that's that's a big deal yeah. that's incredible that's hilarious um. But yeah, I feel like the like you said the the Phantom Menace is very much in some ways like a a, a retread, mm-hmm. not not a retread, like but a yeah, it follows a similar yeah, structure rhymes. and it does a lot, of, you know, it yeah, it it rhymes as as George Lucas is wont to say, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So and, and I I thought that they did a really good job of like making it feel like like it kind of. Yeah, like rhyming with the structure of the original movie without making you feel like, oh, we're just doing the original movie again, you know? Yeah, I definitely agree. It was, yeah, I like what you said, that it, it's it's what The Force Awakens probably should have done, but didn't. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, one of the the, the things that uh, The Force Awakens and I think the sequel trilogy in general uh, 
did that they, they should have done differently is, is the fact that, like, they lean way too much on the original trilogy. I think maybe there was sort of a, like, uh, they kind of oversteered away from the prequels, in a sense, because I think, you know, the people who, who, who made Star Wars and, like, the executives at Disney and everybody were very, like... Okay, the prequels didn't get a great reception last time. Maybe we should do things differently this time. Maybe we should just stick to, you know, the, the original trilogy, the one that everybody loves. Let's let's try and do that yeah. again, basically. But um, joke, jokes but on you, I it would have been that... exactly the same in the seventies and eighties if they had the internet back then. <laughs> like, like it's literally just like, <laughs> yeah. like you mentioned a couple episodes ago that like it's just the first time that like people were mean on the internet about a thing, and like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. And like it's uncharted territory. It's hard to kind of yeah. like, I don't know. Like hindsight's twenty twenty, but like, I don't know. No, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I, I just think that they with the sequels, they kind of oversteered away from the prequels. And I think one of the things that the prequels does really well is that it introduces a lot of new locations and ideas, and mm-hmm. like that flesh out the world and and are really interesting and feel new, but that still feel authentically Star Wars. Whereas the sequels, I think, leaned a little bit too much into trying to replicate what the original trilogy did and kind of the tone and the look and feel of the original trilogy, which they did a great job at that. But like, yeah, I, I think it was ultimately to its detriment because it, it felt like it wasn't really its own thing as much as say the prequels were for, for all their, all the prequels faults, which, you know, there, there certainly are. Um, no, what it's, are you talking about? <laughs> the prequels are perfect. Um, yeah. I, I think that there's, uh, yeah, there, there's something to be said for trying new things. And I think that's uh, and having kind of like a, a bold vision. And I, I think the fact that like the prequels in general had like such a like the clearly going into it, George Lucas knew this is the story I want to tell over the course of these three movies. Um, yeah. You know, and it, and it feels cohesive in that way. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Okay. Well. Uh, do we want to talk about uh, what our favorite part of this movie? We do. Was Sam? What's what's your favorite part of the Phantom Menace? Mm. Which is going to be a tough. It's going to be oh. a toughie. I feel like because there's so many great. There's so yeah. Um, lots of. I mean, I love pod racing scenes. Obviously. Yes. Um, yeah. And the final battle with Darth Maul and all that. Um, which apparently Darth Maul has a fangirl club. Apparently a lot of women have had crushes on Darth Maul. And this is a thing really? that I didn't know I mean, I don't blame until <laughs> a podcast I listened to recently just like brought that fact to my attention. You listen to podcasts other than ours? Yes. What the heck, Sarah? They, they make those? I'm a very unsupportive wife. Come on. Oh, I thought we invented podcasts. Yeah. I thought that was our doing. Yeah. Two straight white men with a microphone never what? been done before yeah on the internet talking about star wars <laughs> <Just that. laughs> i know unprecedented yeah uh, um i mean honestly one of the things i appreciated the most this t- this like time through was watching palpatine and padme like in their kind of like their senate scenes yeah, that was very weird that was mm-hmm. like him kind of like just being like the devil in her ear kind of like like scooching her in the, in the direction that he needs her to be to, for his own machinations. Um, that Yeah, I definitely, like, I, I noticed that this time, and I definitely, I don't think I ever had before, was, like, like how clearly from the very beginning, 
like he's doing the, his sort of manipulation of, of of things and like like I mean now as an adult it seems obvious and especially like having you know watched these movies so many times now and and watched the Clone Wars and everything like uh you know I know to kind of look for that but I guess I I never really thought about uh Palpatine as being kind of this like manipulative force until like episode three like I think I think of episode three and kind of like the opera scene mm-hmm. and like you know the sort of you know the more obvious moments where he's like clearly trying to push somebody in a certain direction but this movie like like rewatching it I'm like yeah no he from the from the beginning he's like very clearly trying to weasel his way into a seat, but doing it in a way that's very like you know he comes across as very logical and sort of empathetic and kind and like but he's clearly doing it for his own gains and yeah right so that, that was cool yeah, so I'd say that that scene was probably my favorite new thing that I noticed this time around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but favorite scene overall has to be the lightsaber battle at the end. It's always my favorite. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. And John John Williams going way harder than he needs to, and we love every every ounce of it. Those like heat shields, like that yes. part, I didn't remember at all, and that was I was so nervous just watching them like wait to fight each other. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I love the I, what's, something I noticed about that moment that I, I hadn't before. I don't think was at least that I didn't remember noticing was that like um, earlier in the movie, Qui Gon talks about like Anakin. He you know he can do things. He can. Uh, it seems like he has really quick reflexes, but it's because he can see things before they happen. You know, um, and then in the 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 part during that fight when the the, the heat shields are up, um, right before. Uh, the shields turn off. Obi Wan ignites his lightsaber, and and so it's like he knew that it was about to happen. And then as soon as the shields come down, uh, Qui Gon and Maul like get right back into it. it. I thought that was just a really cool little moment of like, oh, they were using the Force just then, and I didn't even realize yeah. it. They were like, it, it's not just that they have really good reflexes; that it's that they were like in tune with the Force and knew what was about to happen, they, like and anticipate it. Like that, that was cool. cool. I liked another aside on the heat screen thing like yeah, after yeah. he gets Qui-Gon Jinn through the stomach and then Obi-Wan's like waiting mm-hmm. I liked the little moment where he was like he did like that young man in sports like move where you just start jumping back and forth like it was kind of interesting to see <laughs> Obi-Wan as like this really youthful impatient like hothead that like Anakin turns into as his like apprentice mm-hmm. it was just it was cool I liked that little piece of acting yeah, yeah. from Ewan McGregor yeah, he's just he's just forced to just fume for a second because he can't do anything. Yeah, yeah, that's a cool moment. Sarah, what was your favorite part of this movie? It's gonna have to be the costumes for me. <laughs> oh, excellent! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, um, favorite moment. Uh, I don't know. I really liked seeing Obi Wan as like the apprentice, like just kind of. I don't know. Also. I just feel like everything in this movie, the whole of Star Wars would not exist if everyone listened to Obi-Wan in this movie. <laughs> everyone, including his master. <laughs> Qui-Gon's uh, like, you're a much wiser man than I, Obi-Wan. And Obi-Wan's like, yeah, then, and then why he don't tells you listen? Do something and he's like, no. Like, I just feel like it's gonna, this kid's gonna be a mistake. And he's like, no, 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 it's gonna be fine. It's gonna be great. <laughs> well, let's train him anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have, like, a favorite, favorite scene. The visuals of the ending fight scene were my favorite, but I also really liked the uh, 
Anakin in the Naboo Starfighter. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Just like accidentally flying to where he gets to go and then just <laughs> casually destroying the yeah, entire yeah. thing. Yeah, that's probably it for me. Yeah. Honestly, that was like uh, <laughs> something I noticed uh, this time around that I guess I, I didn't pick up on as a kid was like there are a lot of moments where people like where like Anakin and Jar Jar both like accidentally do really good in combat. <laughs> like like the they're like the whole, like every time Jar Jar is in a fight, he like will trip over something and then accidentally take out like seven droids. Or like you know, it's like, like it's just him like stumbling shipping, through yeah. it and like you know, it's it's very like uh like like sort of silent film era comedy type, mm-hmm. you know. Uh it it's really funny just like the like <laughs> he stumbles into being general and then also accidentally like wins like like he destroys a lot of these droids and like takes down some tanks by accident and like you know it's it's just uh I thought that was cool and then and Anakin also does that when he like just is like well I guess we're like flying on the autopilot like <laughs> yeah. here we go yeah, uh, yeah I'll try spinning that's a good trick that's a good trick <laughs> yeah now this is podcasting um <laughs> Yeah, uh, there was something else that you you said, Sarah, that I wanted to comment on. I'm trying to remember. Um, Mostly about Obi Wan. So was it about Obi Wan uh, or the costumes? Oh yeah, actually, I'm I'm curious. Did you have a favorite costume? Did you have a favorite Padme outfit? I love the classic one that lights up, which Sam pointed out to me that there's a plug in the scene. Oh, is that really? I did not notice. <laughs> is that that's the yeah. one where he, she has a dress that has like light bulbs in the bottom of the dress yeah. or whatever? Yeah, where yeah. you just it's just like a, a quick scene where you see her just kind of she's in the Naboo Palace and she's staring out the window, she's staring off to the right, and you can see a black cable running along the floor off to the left. Really? <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yes. I didn't notice. Like, because I think I think because I think when mom and I watched uh the Industrial Light and Magic, like uh, documentary on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I think they said like the ILM engineers literally said like yeah, that was Christmas lights in that. It was literally <laughs> just... <laughs> so doubly, yeah, that might be one of my favorites now. Yeah. But I think my sister had that Halloween costume like one year. She That's was awesome. Queen Amidala, and that oh, was the cool. dress. So I feel like for nostalgia's sake. Probably that one, but also watching it back this time around, the one that she's like, it looks like a giant like silver kimono, and she has like very Japanese influenced mm-hmm. hair and like a headdress. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's like towards I mean, the end. I feel like that could. They're, oh no, I, actually, I, I do know which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're they're on Coruscant. I think they're they're in Palpatine's office on Coruscant. Yeah, that sounds right. That's probably my favorite, just because of the detail, and I noticed that, because of course all I pay attention to is the costumes and the prequels, but I noticed that the first movie was just way more Japanese-inspired in, like, mm-hmm. art and dress than the second and third movies, so I just thought that was really cool to see how, like, mm-hmm. they clearly started with a vision that then mm-hmm. went a very different direction, but, like, both in very good ways, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Naboo's really interesting because it's like, like setting wise, it's clearly like Italy, basically. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. but then like her dress is all is very Japanese and like it's an interesting mix of cultures, you know. Yeah. Um, I also think it's cool that it's like Japanese because I feel like there's a lot of like traditional like warrior women that came from like 
samurai Japan that, like, actually were, like, these amazing, like, fighters and, like, leaders in their own families, and I feel like that was what Padme was. It was just, like, a great leader. A great female yeah. warrior leader that we didn't know she was until this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, my yeah, favorite part... You. Yeah. Um, but one thing I, I noticed this time that I didn't... Uh, I guess I hadn't thought about it in a long time was, like, how funny this movie is sometimes. Like, yes. there are moments where, like... I, I guess... Like, because this movie has, like, gotten such a reputation of being, like, you know, sort of stilted and slow and having, like, you know, kind of monotone line reads and stuff and, and it, you know, people talking about taxation and trade routes and stuff. You know, it has this reputation, but, like, there are moments in this movie, like, there, <laughs> there's some really funny lines. Um, the, the first one is, is like, uh, when uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are on the Trade Federation ship and they are like sneaking around and they see the droid army for the first time and they're like we got to get we got to get down to the planet and or we got to get back to the chancellor or whatever and Obi-Wan's like well you were right about one thing the negotiations were swift that <laughs> was cute like, and he kind of gives this little smirk I'm like yeah um the negotiations were short yeah uh yeah there, there was just a, there was a, a a few of those moments where it was it was just like that's it's funnier than I remembered it being. And there's some really great like one-liners in this movie. Um, yeah. As far as like, my favorite like moment in the movie, I mean, I I think I mean obviously the the you know duel of the fates at the end like is incredible. Oh, I love yeah. that lightsaber fight. Amazing. Um, I think I'm gonna go with just for the sake of since you already went with that, I'm gonna go with the the pod racing scene. Um, yes. I think something I I noticed about the the pod race was. That I I didn't remember was that like most of the the race there's no music and it's just sound effects and oh. the sound yeah it, like they introduce some music near the end when it's like just Anakin and Sabalba. Um but like for the mo most part it's just like all these crazy weird amazing sound effects and it's like Ben Burt just going ham the whole time with like all the different weird crazy interesting sounds that these pod racers make like. You know, this sort of like weird, like, 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 you know, like all these, and like, like the Doppler effect of them, like, going past the camera. And yeah. there's just so many interesting sounds where I'm like, I was like listening during that scene. And I was like, I don't think I've ever heard that sound anywhere else in my life. <laughs> like, right. so many interesting, like, little, like, tidbits. And that's, it's such a, like, a fun sequence and it's well choreographed and really, like, thrilling and you really get that sense of speed and also just like the the fact that like you know obviously it's very inspired by like like ben-hur like chariot races and, Ooh, and things that. like that um yeah yeah i think i think that this scene was like like they've said it's it's pretty directly inspired by like the chariot race in, in ben-hur um but i mean pod races are pod racers are basically chariots because you know yeah. they're it's a thing being pulled by engines you know um and i i love like how sort of how different they all look and how like clearly this is like really fragile because they're, they're yeah. all just like dangling by like wires and they spin out of control so easily and it's anyway it's just a it's just a super cool it's like sequence drag and... racing meets chariot racing basically <laughs> yeah yeah basically um yeah. Jack, and you... except even more dangerous yeah. yeah do you remember playing as a kid star wars pod racer not i mean i i 
remember it existing, and I probably played it a little bit, but I don't think I really played it that much. Okay. Um, what I do remember is um, there was an arcade game that was yeah. uh, that was that was uh, Star Wars Episode One: Ponderosa, but as like a, as an arcade game, and it was like you sat in. Basically, you know, it was designed to look like Anakin's pod racer, and the way that you steered was you, you know, you like pulled either there, you know, the two things on either side, like in the movie, where you like you push them both forward to go forward, you push like only the left one forward to like turn right, and the other one, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. It, it was a cool like interface. I remember liking that. That was so much fun. They had one at the the main event in Louisville, I think. Yes, that's probably where I that's probably yeah. where I played yeah. it. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. um but, you know, I was just I, watching the pod racing this time. I was taken back to playing Star Wars Pod Racer because I remember like all the different like, because like, you could play as all of the different pod racers. Oh yeah, um, in the game, yeah. um, and there were a couple different mm-hmm. courses. There wasn't, it wasn't like an extensive game, but it was like a lot of fun. Like because you just basically mm-hmm. got to like do that one race, and then there were a couple other races. But it was like mm-hmm. a small little CD-ROM game, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, I guess now let's let's talk about who was our MVP in this movie. Who who is our, our do we think deserves MVP recognition for being particularly awesome in this story? What character? Sam, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, watching last night, my thought was uh, Shmi Skywalker is the yeah. MVP of just like her like the the fact that she she recognized the ability in in her son and was willing to let him go and live a better life. Even if it meant, like, not yeah. being with him forever. Like, Yeah, you watched that, that differently. I mean, the level of, yeah. Oh my gosh, I was like, how did she just <laughs> bet, let her son walk away? Okay. Yeah, this Great. Is the, yeah, <laughs> this is the first time uh, actively watched, I've actively watched the movie since being a parent. I've had it on the background, like, while doing laundry and stuff. But, like, I've never, like, sat down and just, like, watched it. And it was, like, like since becoming a parent. Um... And yeah, that it hits different. It's really different. just raises a lot more I questions, bet. I think, and it's a more emotional <laughs> gut punch there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it. I can only imagine that it takes a, just a, an extraordinary amount of like strength and humility to be able to be like, yeah, I don't, I don't want my son to leave, but like, this is going to be better for him to to go be on his own, um, or you know, to kind of join this this, this new life, and also the fact that like. Uh, you know, she's clearly, like, not comfortable with him being in the pod race, but, like, wants to give him that chance because, A, I think she, she knows how, like, how skilled he is and kind of, you know, has that sort of belief in him in that sense, but also just the, like, when, when they're arguing about it over the dinner table, Anakin's like, you always say that the, the problem with this world is that nobody is kind to each other or something like that. Um, and I think she, like, sees that this is an opportunity for not only for him to like do something that he loves but also to to you know take advantage of an opportunity to help someone and to be kind and i think you know she kind of saw that it was like okay i still don't like it but i you know maybe this is the right thing for him to do right now yeah 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 no shmi is shmi is amazing definitely jack what about you um Hmm. I mean, man, I I, I love Qui Gon. <laughs> Qui Gon's Qui Gon's such a, a a great like. Th- there's this um, this story that I I think Dave Filoni tells about like uh, about his sort of interpretation of the events of 
the Phantom Menace, and I think I think he's, he's like talked about George Lucas, talked talked to talked about this with George Lucas before, and kind of confirmed his his theories about it. But the idea is that like um, the lightsaber battle at the end, uh, the the music track is called Duel of the Fates, and that's because they are literally fighting for uh, the fate of Anakin in that moment because it's like the the thing that leads to Anakin's downfall is largely the fact that he doesn't get the father figure that he needs that like quite like if Qui-Gon had lived and trained him then maybe you know he would have been he would have wouldn't have fallen to the dark side but instead like Qui-Gon dies and then Obi-Wan ends up essentially being the one to sort of raise him and he's more of like a big brother type rather than like a father and I don't know I think it's it's just it's cool to see Qui-Gon and his like how sure he is of like Anakin is is he's the chosen one and we need to train him to be a Jedi and this this is what we need to do um but like I think he was right but the fact that he died kind of is what like you know sent things in a, in a bad direction in a way um anyway I I just think Qui-Gon is is a super underappreciated character and I, I think the like in the Clone Wars seeing him like uh, the, the kind of series of episodes in season six where Qui-Gon basically like talks to Yoda through the force and like teaches him to, to continue into the cosmic force, like, like afterwards and like be a force ghost basically. Um, I think that, that kind of demonstrates how like wise and sort of in tune with things as a character Qui-Gon was, um, as a Jedi, he, he was like definitely among the wisest because he, even like at this time when like, I feel like even, like, Yoda didn't see some things coming, and, like, uh, and Qui-Gon was, like, it's established that he kind of, he doesn't always follow the Jedi Code to a T, mm -hmm. and I think that is kind of indicative of his, his wisdom in this situation, because I think he knows that, like, not everything that the Jedi Order teaches right now, or the way that the Jedi Order is acting, is actually correct, that they, they've sort of lost their way in some ways, and, and Qui-Gon knows that, and he won't, like, say that explicitly, because... You know, presumably, if he did that, they would like kick him out. But like, you know, he's doing what he can within the system to kind of, regardless of what the, what the council says, he continues to try and do what he believes is right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's kind of like the, you know, that that's his sort of drive through this movie, and I think it's it's cool that like I mean, this is obviously the most we ever see of Qui Gon is this movie, and we we get some more of him, and like, you know, he shows up very briefly at the end of Obi Wan Kenobi. And we get some like flashbacks of him in, in in the Clone Wars, and we get the the season six stuff as a Force Ghost or half Ghost or whatever. But um, yeah, I like Qui Gon. That was my <laughs> that was my long tangent about Qui Gon and why I think he's great. Yeah, we love Qui Gon. Yeah, I was just like, yep, yep, <laughs> agree, agree. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. What about you, Sarah? Did you have a, a, a fave character, an MVP? I keep going back and forth between Obi-Wan and Padme. Because I like... And it's for the same reason. I just like how they both kind of begin to come into their own in this movie. And mm -hmm. I didn't notice that until this time around watching. Yeah. And I don't know. They're both very strong characters. And they're making the good decisions when faced with two decisions i don't know <laughs> where i was going with that thought oh, yeah but um yeah i don't know i just like how they're like wise and kind of just uplift everyone around them 
with the decisions that they make. And I like how Obi-Wan steps in after Qui-Gon dies and just, like, fulfills that last wish, wish, even though the whole council was against him. And I liked how Padme just came out of left field. And what is his name? Sieve? Sheev? Sheev. Didn't, like, see it <laughs> yeah. coming and... I don't know. I'm just... It's a tie. It's a tie. Long story short. Reasonable. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Padme... Yeah, Padme, I think, especially was... I also didn't notice kind of until this this watch like how strong of a character Padme is and how much she does like because because I feel you know as a kid like most of the stuff that Padme does is like talking while in heavy makeup yeah or, like, yeah you're not like <laughs> being listening to what or something yeah. yeah yeah and now that I actually know what's going on and I can like I'm paying attention to what she's doing it's like she like the whole time is very very committed to her people and to like you know trying to ensure that whatever happens that like political corruption and uh trade disputes and whatever that none of that gets in the way of her actually serving her people and she goes to the you know to the point of like humbling herself before the gungans and like bowing down to them being like we need your help (laughs) yeah boss nass yeah boss (laughs) nass um yeah just the fact that like she's a strong leader even from such a young age she's like i i know what I need to do and what's important, and she's unwavering in that. That's cool. Yeah, something yeah. I noticed about Padme's hair and, like, outfit in the, mm. like, end of the movie when they're, like, storming the Federation, and she, like, kind of has, like, that mm. butterfly-looking hairstyle and, like, the red, like, coat and pants. I'm realizing now that that's just, like, what they put Leia in in Obi-Wan. It was, like, almost the same exact hairstyle and like suit costume just like a different color and i don't know i thought that was a nice little i would have to look back at that to to remember what that is but yeah that sounds cool yeah i know yeah i I know that there was a lot of intentionality to make uh young leia look a lot like padme in the obi-wan show so that makes sense it just just, i feel like padme in this episode is where they got a lot of inspiration for little leia for sure Oh, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Um, All right. I guess now it's time for yep. it's time for us to go through our statistics. <laughs> so, uh, main character kill count. Um, so yeah, Maul gets one kill. Uh, unfortunately, kills uh, Qui Gon. Obi Wan gets one kill. Obi Wan kills Maul. Well, or he thinks he does. So I guess can we really count that? Because <laughs> he oh, never gosh. actually dies. How does he not? I don't know how it works. I don't answer that question because I'll figure it out eventually. But how does he not Listen, die? <laughs> pure, it's spite. It's just he lives out of pure spite and hatred. Yeah, and also spider legs. <laughs> he gets spider legs. spider legs. Um, Do we count it? Oh gosh. Yeah, I don't think we can. He doesn't. He doesn't die. Ew. He'll get it know. eventually. He'll he'll get that he kill will. eventually. <laughs> I don't know. I think. But yeah. Um, we should leave it up to to the audience. They should <laughs> like if you think that Obi Wan actually like if this should count as a kill in the kill count, let us know. Or if you don't think so, let us know. See, here's the thing. <laughs> There's a correct answer, <laughs> Fine. which is that Whatever. he doesn't. <laughs> I believe that he strongly did die. So you know what, Jack? He's dead. We'll put up a poll. He's not dead, though. <laughs> but he's dead. No, I don't know. He's dead. I don't know. Jack, talk me back. Sorry, babe. Yep. He's cut in half. Yeah, and then he shows up. He does. Like, 
a couple years later. He comes back. He, he gets. He's got spider legs. <laughs> he doesn't have one. He'd it's be dead Star anyway. Wars, Sarah. He doesn't need one. It's the he Force. He, he eats the Force. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, kill counts. Uh, also, um, I think we got to count. I, I need to go back and count how many people were in there, but like. Anakin blows up that ship, and there's at least a few like of the oh. uh, like Trade Federation folks in there. It's not just droids, right? Like, there's one room that's full of, of that has like a bunch of oh yeah, he, of actual he the like, highest kill count in this movie? Anakin does, I believe so. <laughs> Starting out strong, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anakin Winko, yeah. first we, appearance, we should have seen it coming. Already killing so we many. We should have seen people. the Darth thing coming. We really should. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I, I gotta go back and like look at that one shot of like them in like before it blows up and see how many people are in there, and I'll I'll yeah. add that to our kill count. And we'll we'll report back next time, I guess. Indeed. Uh, about that, um, Wilhelm scream count. We got our first one. There was one. Yes. Yeah, it was one of the pilots in the uh, the Naboo hangar, right? Yeah, when they were all running to their ships. Yeah, yeah one of them gets oh! shot and goes. Ah! Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Like yeah. That. As soon as that happened, I was like, "Yes, first one." I know. We did it. <laughs> Yeah, I was yeah. that 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 Leonardo DiCaprio meme from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Like the, there it is, yeah. there it is. <laughs> I see it. I I understood that reference. Um, <laughs> all right, how most Star Wars is better. Star Wars. How does this film make the rest of Star Wars better? <clears throat> I mean, it does because it's more Star Wars. Um, yes. But how does this make it better specifically? I mean, like, I think that quote applies mostly to the TV shows making the movies better. Mm-hmm. In my... No, I, I get that. Yeah, in um, my thought. But I think... Yeah, I think it, it's also, like, important to talk a little bit about, like, the... Just the level of influence that this movie had on... on Not just the rest of Star Wars, but on, like, Hollywood as a whole. Because mm-hmm. um, this was, like... Uh, I mean, George Lucas, for his whole career, like, since the first Star Wars, has been at the forefront of, like, pushing technology forward and, and like, you know, developing, you know, he, he started Industrial Light and Magic. He, you know, developed new visual effects. He, uh, you know, with Skywalker Sound, developed the THX standard and went around to different movie theaters and was like, you need to, you, you, your, your system needs to be certified according to our standards so that we make sure that, you know, everybody's having the correct experience, which, you know that kind of level of standardization didn't exist before George Lucas was like, you don't get to see that's crazy to <laughs> return of the about. Jedi or whatever before. Yeah. Like just the, the level of like influence George Lucas as an individual has had over the, the, the progress of, of film and of technology is insane. Yeah. Um, in addition to just cultural impact. Um, and I think, uh, Phantom Menace in particular, I think was the first movie to ever be shot entirely digitally. Like he he insist like this was really early on with digital cinema cameras and there was like not like they had to like like bespoke develop equipment for this and like you know That's it nuts. was George Lee was like putting his own like his his influence and his money into like trying to push towards digital because he knew that that was that was like the future of things yeah um and so yeah there's that um yeah and, and then just the fact that like. You know this this one movie kind of establishes the the beginning of the whole prequel era and establishes the tone and the setting and introduces so many things to the Star Wars canon about like you know this is the first time that we had seen anything prior to A New Hope really yeah. and you know we this is the first time we got to see like this is what the Jedi were like in their heyday this is what it looks like when 
two Jedi, like, at the peak of their powers are fighting a Sith at the peak of his powers. And, like, this is what combat looks like for Jedi back in the day. Because, yeah. uh, you know, it's much more, like, acrobatic and sort of balletic than... Yeah. Uh, not just farm boy with laser you know, sword, but, like... Yeah, not just farm boy with laser sword, not just, like two old men like sort of swinging at each other slowly yeah. like you know it, lightsaber battles are very different in the prequels and i think i think it uh yeah there's just so much that this this movie adds to, to star wars in terms of developing the canon and building out like this is what you know this is what this all means this is what the origins of these things were um i know that there, there are definitely aspects aspects of this movie and of the sort of explanation of of, of canon and things like that that some people disagree with i don't like like you know the midichlorians thing has been a, an argument for a long time yeah. um or just like I, I know some people were like found it weird that that's the way that jedi dress you know he's being like in sort of those robes and like kind of like brown cloak and things like like i think people some people were like i assume that that's the way obi-wan dressed in the first movie because that's how because he was in hiding and that's how people in the desert dress and not because that's how jedi dress yeah you know um, I personally don't mind those things. I think they, you know, it, it's a, a valid interpretation of things, but I think, you know, I don't have a problem with them, them having taken this creative choice yeah. in the, in those areas. Um, um, yeah. And then, uh, music. Oh my gosh. Like, gosh dang, John Williams. Like, I mean, obviously the original trilogy has plenty of amazing themes in it. Um, but I think, with the prequels, John Williams was just able to go completely ham with it. Yeah. And he just so went like bombastic and operatic and like, you know, we get the duel we get duel of the fates. Uh we get like uh the Qui-Gon's funeral music with like the sort of funeral dirge and the choir yeah. and it's, it's it's beautiful. And then we get like in Attack of the Clones, we get uh, you know, the like the the sort of lovers theme, like Anakin and Yeah. Uh, and Padme's the theme song love theme. of my childhood was that love theme. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, yeah <laughs> Just and like that, yeah, and the, the the clones theme, uh, the like the in like the the March of the Republic, the sort of and, March. Yeah, yes, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And then, and then we get like yeah, and then of course like man, there's just so much good. And don't even start episode three. I feel like oh, oh man, yeah. yeah, I know. Freaking oh, so good. Um. Yeah, so I, Phantom Menace gets a bad rap and has done so much to add to the Star Wars universe and is so visually gorgeous and unique and has amazing sound effects and amazing music. Some of the best music in, in any Star Wars movie, I think, is, is in these movies. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, Phantom Menace. Good movie. Good movie. Good, good movie. Love it. All right. Um, any closing thoughts from anybody? Before we dip out no i've i've really enjoyed having my wife join us this has been great yeah i yeah, added so much great. i added so much to this universe you did by being here <laughs> you today. do you add so much to our universe <laughs> sarah thanks for having me on again <laughs> thanks for having me. thanks for being our very first guest yeah my first expert yes yeah, indeed um yeah uh yeah we actually got our first voicemail this week um, and it's from our dad. So, uh, our dad had some comments to, to say. So, here we are. Hey there, big fan, first time caller. So, if the T6 is the Camry of Star Wars, 
what is the Naboo Starfighter, which is also, I believe, the same one in The Mandalorian now. Uh, one thing that comes to mind is the World War II era P-38 Lightning. So anyway, what would what you consider it today in today's fighters or sports cars or whatever or non-camera type? Anyway, have fun. Love the podcast. Bye. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. Yeah, so the question is, if the what was it the c1 the the, the t6 which we, Sorry, what we've we've been well, calling I was way off <laughs> we've been calling i think it's gonna be the c1 the camry one the 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 t6 uh shuttle which ahsoka flies around in Dooku and quagga fly around in um we've been calling it the galactic camry um our dad asks so if that's the galactic camry then what is the the naboo n1 starfighter what is that, our our real world analog for that? So, and Dad thought it was the the P thirty eight Lightning, uh, which is a a very uniquely styled like World War two plane. It's got like it's got a twin fuselage setup with a wing in the middle and then wings on the sides mm. and two tails and yeah, it looks really cool. Uh, Dad, I love you. I think that's just your favorite plane. And this is your favorite. I think this is also your favorite uh, Star Wars Starfighter. Maybe I don't know. It's one of mine. So uh, it's oh, it's, it's, it's great. Awesome. I love the way. Yeah, the and the works. the P thirty eight also very cool. Um, I think we'd have to be another car though. We have to be like, what what car is yeah. this? You Sarah, know? you said like, it's like a classic Corvette. It's like a nineties Corvette to me. Like it has like that old sports muscle car vibe. Like it's kind of flashy for the sake of being flashy, but like also. Mm-hmm. incredibly powerful yeah. and good at what it does at the same time. Yeah. I think it needs that, like, it has, like, a lot of, like, the the Naboo stuff has kind of, like, a mid-century vibe to it, like, mid-century modern, kind of, like, the sleekness and, like, kind of, like, the curvature. More pointed. More pointed, yeah. Um, so, with that in mind, um, it's got to be something like that. So, either, like, I don't know, like, one, like an old Cadillac from that era... Or uh, the Batmobile from Batman the Animated Series, which is all which is all like (laughs) mid-century and like also pointy and pointy, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you can't say one fictional vehicle is another (laughs) fictional vehicle. We're we're talking about real-world analogs. This podcast was my idea. I could say whatever I want. (laughs) 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 But I did say uh, like a a fifties, like big old boat of a car. Like I think, cool. yeah. Well, I will take your word for it because I don't know enough about cars to answer cool beans. questions, really. But yeah. So, uh, it, keeping that in mind, what would uh, Din Djarin's N one be? Because I feel like that one's more kind of like a like a hot rod version of of the N one Starfighter. Do you yeah. think that, is there another I analog think, for that? Well, I think the the fact that uh, it was it's an old an old really pretty like Starfighter that was kind of like found fixed up and hot rotted out i think it's like i think it's a like a barn find like there's like a whole like category of like cars that are just like <laughs> these cars that like were bought driven around a couple of times and then just like left in the garage and then someone stumbles across it and like fixes up and restores it mm. and like i love watching those kind of youtube videos like barn find like sports cars of like 60s 70s and 80s like sports cars that like haven't been driven since like a couple months after they were purchased and then just like left in a barn and oh, then like wow. fixed up and restored and like that's what Din Djarin's Nabu Starfighter is. It's one of those that's been restored. It's a barn find Ed one Starfighter. That's super cool. I, I did not know about that. That sounds like a, a perfect analogy. Yeah. That's super cool. So that's my thought. Yeah. Yeah. If you'd like to join the discussion, 
like our dad did this time, feel free to leave a voicemail at 512-850-6653. And that number will also be in the description of this episode um, and all future episodes. Um, But yeah, feel free to leave a voicemail. Keep it like 30 seconds or less. Yeah. Dad, yours is perfect. um, If you can. Well done. Yes, perfect. Thank you, Dad. Um, And uh, yeah, this has been great. I'm. This was great getting to to discuss like a something big and meaty yeah. for the first time because you know we we've basically just been doing like short films up until this point and now we're we're getting to talk about some more like the the big moments in Star Wars canon and getting into the you know the major characters. We got our first Wilhelm scream. We got some kills. We got our first like Sith Lord. Like exciting times, exciting times. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. This was great. Yeah, I have blast. Getting it all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we all had fun. It was great. It was great. Um, all right. Well, without further ado, uh, next time we will be. Let me. I'm gonna start. Over. <laughs> Join us next time when we'll talk about Tales of the Jedi Episode Four: The Sith Lord, which is uh, us returning to the the uh, Dooku story in Tales of the Jedi, and takes place, I believe, like like kind of during and sort of towards the tail end of the phantom menace so it's like mm-hmm. sort of concurrent to what just happened um yeah or, or like just after something like that um yeah so i'm excited to get back into things with 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 that storyline thank you all for joining us once again and for sticking with us through this especially long episode um i imagine all, all the movie episodes are going to tend to be longer yeah, but there's only going to be like a dozen of those so that's true we'll be all right. yeah yeah we'll get through it um But yeah, until next time, may the Force be with you all. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll see you around. See you later. Bye. You did it. All right, cut the chatter. Roger, Roger.